Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast. This week we have uh, Rob Bob with us. Um, first off, we have uh, uh, Brain Grow. Welcome everybody. We have ECSD. Hi everybody. We have uh, Mr. Green Jeans. Yo, hey everybody. Thanks for joining us. We got uh, Old Park Grows. Hey there. Hope everybody's having a groovy day and uh, glad you're stopping by the podcast and looking forward to having a good time tonight. And we got uh, Rob Bob all the way from Australia. He's in the yeah, future. Yeah. Friday already. <laughs> so uh, he's the, the second uh, Australian guest we've had a chance to get on the show. So uh, we're super excited. And um, for those of you who don't know, Rob Bob has a uh, one of if not probably the most successful um youtube channel on uh about aquaponics he has a plethora of really great videos covers a really wide range of crops and um we're super happy to have him on the show today um why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and your channel cool um well the channel originally started off as a way for me to stay sane i'm a stay-at-home dad and we home educate our kids for some reason uh so yeah i had to stay busy started doing garden videos for YouTube and just naturally progressed onto aquaponics when I read a story about a, a guy throwing his uh, rod out the back door, fishing for barra in his backyard. So, oh, sea perch, uh, sorry, sea bass. Um, yeah, so I pretty much all took on aquaponics from there and just incorporated it into the YouTube channel and the rest is history. So, that's pretty much all it. And yeah, I'm just... Yeah, a stay-at-home dad, so I, I get to hang around social media um, a fair bit and answer questions pretty much all daily on uh, newbies coming into aquaponics, always wanting to know uh, how to set up a new system and whatnot. So um, actually working on a new series now, trying to start from what is aquaponics all the way through uh, for the veggie side of thing, of course, because um, any, any growing of cannabis here in Australia is uh, highly regulated. So there we go. But a lot of uh, a lot of the techniques we talk about, and a lot of um, methods that you can use for tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers, work really, really awesome for uh, um, you know the stuff that we're allowed to grow here in the states. So um, they're all uh, you know what works for one works for the other, and um, you know especially in talks in terms of uh, silica, you know a little bit of silica makes a night and day difference um, for um, uh, squash and cucumbers and things like that. Um, why don't you tell a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe some of the uh, more interesting things that you've learned along uh, along your um, journey with your channel and, and doing your aquaponics stuff? Uh, well, the, the first thing I've learned is um, don't take forums for gospel <laughs> um, when designing systems and, and just the best thing I could I could pretty much all say that I learned is, is source information from everywhere, from blogs, from forums, from YouTube, and then try and nut it out yourself. Um, just on the basic information on like how to start up a system and run it. Um, I suppose not going big straight out of the gate would be another lesson I've learned, not so much myself, but uh, watching other people set up these uh, heroic systems, we'll call them, um, throwing 100 fish into a, a 1,000 litre or 250 gallon IBC, and throwing a, a grow bed off to the side and then complain and whinge to everyone because all their fish are dying at about the three, four month mark as they put on a bit of biomass. Um, I've felt, fielded a lot of questions along those lines over the last couple of years. Uh, being patient as well, 
um, learning just to set it up and, and just watch it and observe it and see how it goes through the cycles of the, uh, the seasons, um, observing how your plants grow, um, best positions for setting up beds. Um, yeah, I'm probably just rabbiting on now. No, it's that's cool. Um, is there any, uh, in particular, any weird problems you've run into that you maybe learned a lot uh, from from viewers on your show? Um, as far as solutions, um, oh, none that jump out. Uh, the biggest the biggest issue I've had with my system here would have to be solids, um, mainly because I over I overstocked the um, the grow beds for the amount of fish we had for a time there, and um, I fell crook for a little while and I wasn't able to. Um, uh, clean out the radial flow filter ended up with a bit of a, um, a solids build up in all the beds actually a couple in particular and they just threw the chemistry out of whack and ended up with a pH spike and uh, um, potentially a big uh, nitrite spike um, but oh, I suppose um, yeah not a bit of a hard one there's so much um, shopping around for parts well, if you guys out there want to do things DIY, I know you can buy off the shelf, off the shelf kits and things like that. But the the amount of money I've seen people pour into aquaponics, just buying um, without thinking, not shopping around and looking online. Here in Australia, we've got some awesome plumbing supply places that you know you're saving uh, thirty to fifty percent what you can get from the corner big box um, hardware store we have here. Um, yeah, so. I, I have a question. Uh, I, I hang out at uh, Ouroboros Farms, uh, which uh, Ken runs up here in uh, Half Moon Bay in California. And I've also seen a facility that uh, Steve had been working on when I first met him a couple of years ago down in San Diego. And something I noticed in both facilities, and I want to know if it's the same down in Australia you know, with the Coriolis effect. As I notice that the fish always swim this way around the tanks up here. Down in Australia, do they swim the other way? <laughs> <laughs> they, they swim against the current, mate. They swim against the current. <laughs> That's pretty my my only question about uh, the aquaponics down there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too good about talking about myself, folks, but I'm I'm pretty good at fielding questions and things like that. So I I was going to say it's great that you uh, brought up that you're going to a supplier. That's what I, we we discuss that on the show, and I teach that too. Like to go to an agricultural supply to get your you know anything you need to use to go to a plumbing supply to get yeah. your plumbing. Don't go to the big box store. That's great advice right there. I love that. Well. But the small guys here are floundering as much as they are over there. And nine times out of ten, you, you can actually speak to someone who's had some experience with, especially pumps. Like you walk into our, our big B store here in Australia and you ask them about flow rates and uh, flow rates and head heights and, and all that sort of thing. And they just stare at you and point to the box. I mean, yeah, I suppose you guys get the same with Lowe's and Walmart and all the big ones over there. At least with an ag store, they've, they've got, you know, there's someone there who's worked in irrigation or is talking to the reps one one on one finding the latest products and the like so right well not only that it's a real good idea to do the research up front so you know what you're talking about when even when you go to the ag supplier because i mean 
when it comes to hydroponics or aquaponics, you call up the, the big agricultural universities and they don't have a clue what you're talking about. So, yeah, you're right with the irrigation. You uh, Working with an irrigation specialist or that, there's another company you could go to for wholesale, an irrigation company uh, that, that will even help you further than plumbing because they'll have actual uh, fittings and, and adapt, uh, you know, things that you adapt plumbing to irrigation, you know, and, and how to run yeah. irrigation. Systems. Yeah, because it's frustrating trying to run from, say, the poly down to the PVC and trying to get adapters to fit and all that. You walk into um, the store here and you're playing Lego for a couple of hours, walking between aisles, because, of course, one's up one end and one's up the other end. So, been there. It. Yeah. <laughs> been there. Game. Three hours in the plumbing department. Hello. <laughs> the other I thing is, cards. Build up my cart, then dump stuff back out of my cart because I found something different, and then stand there for another hour. And yeah, I've been there. <laughs> well, the other thing is too, like there's there's stuff. Our stores only have a certain range. Like they're looking at forty fives, nineties, Ds, and that. I walked into our local uh, plumbing supplier, and I said, you know, I want to split the flow in a T. And he goes, oh, okay. So do you want equal pressure both sides? Yeah, not a problem. He goes, oh, you know, they sell PVC wires. So, you know, you go into a big box store here and you've got no idea what's available. So. Now, luckily, our big box stores has all that pretty much. But the, so we're a little bit luckier than you are in that respect. But they do have the oh, 90s and the 25s and all that stuff like that. But yeah. but still, plumbing supply is the best way because you can buy a box. Yeah. When you buy a box of 90s, it's a lot cheaper than buying them one at a time out of the bin. Yeah. Hey Steve. Sorry. <laughs> trying to trying to uh, make sure everybody gets their links here. Um, so we haven't any uh, questions from chat yet. Yeah, uh, uh, cannabis origami uh, says, uh, didn't you have an issue with salt buildup in one of your videos? You, um, yeah, that's I treated um, the system with oh, it was roughly five to six parts per million of um, salt because we had a huge issue with um uh it was basically i dropped the ph too low the water temp was too low um well, it was too hot now it was last summer it was too hot and the silver perch ended up getting um lesions all over them um a couple of them really bad i lost about four four or five over about a month period and the salt was in there as basically a health tonic tonic for them uh Looking back, hindsight, wonderful thing. I was stressing out at the time. I wasn't feeling too good, and I just dumped it straight in the system. I could have split it. I could have had the hydro running by itself, whacked a new pump on, and had the fish offline for a while. But, yeah, I stuffed up. So I ended up with um, quite a, a large amount of salt uh, running through the hydro side as well as the fish. But, you know, that happens. Yep. But it's all, it's all down. It's all down now. It's all under um, two parts per million. So, and then with this last uh, lot of rain, it's probably lower again. Doesn't cool. salt build up uh, because of evaporation eventually in the system, or do the plants and the fish retake it back up? Well, so certain uh, microbial um, interactions actually produce uh, sodium as well over time. 
like if you just run a um, you'll actually see this to um, uh, soil growers that do no-till and stuff long term they'll notice the bottom of their beds will have a, a higher sodium level and it's just through the microbial processes and fungal processes going on even if it's not from the water source just over time and i meant parts per thousand by the way not parts per million <laughs> yeah it was two ppm would be pretty low for for sodium pretty hard to get water these days that are low so you do a lot of uh, root crops and things on your show uh or your channel um you want to talk a little bit about that a lot not a lot of people do uh, root crops what do you what do you mean root crops so you do um uh garlic and um other and tubers and and root you know uh, oh root oh yeah yep yep yeah now i gotcha um in the aquaponics or yeah i've had Garlic's been a bit of a hit and miss for me. Um, some of it, I'd say the first two crops pretty much were rotted in the bed. I don't know if that was a, an issue with um, the depth they were planted. I tried to stagger some um, so they were just touching the top of the high tide mark under the clay. I had some buried further down and I pretty much all lost them all. Um, sweet potatoes go like banana. They, they just love it. Um, they a lot of lot of vine though sent down onto the ground and we ended up with a massive tubers in the soil next to the system. The tubers have actually grew in the system um, pretty small and, and, and manky, but uh, loads of leaves, which is what we were we grow a lot of sweet potatoes for. We try and beat the grasshoppers to them and the flea beetles and, and try and harvest the greens for salads and that sort of thing. Uh, potatoes. I haven't tried potatoes in the system, but I've always wanted to. Um, I've been told that there's a, a couple of people who have tried the um, the core, the coconut, uh, just throwing them in some of the cloth bags or containers just at the high tide mark and letting it wick up. But I, space is a bit of a premium for me, so I haven't really had a crack at that yet. But we've got an expansion on the way soon, so I might... Yeah, just, when, when you fail say with potatoes. Uh, Go ahead, uh, Fish. I was just going to say with the garlic... Um, I tried it the way you have before, like you said, where you put it into the media directly at the, around the high tide mark and it didn't work. But when I tried the, uh, the fabric pots with the cocoa and uh, just let it wick up, um, everything from carrots to garlic bulbs and potatoes have worked just fine for me. So that's, that's definitely one way to go. But like you're saying, it's a little bit of a space eater. So what I'd recommend um, so that way you're maximizing that space not just on the top of that fabric pot uh, where you're planting things, cut some slits on the side yeah. of it, and you can have things growing out the sides of it as well. Then you're using that vertical space. Yeah. Uh, it'd be sweet to throw a couple of strawberries down the side too because that'd be the long-term crop, and then you have the rest in the top section. Yeah, yeah exactly. then you're inviting mites though. Yeah, as long as you uh, make sure you don't have spider mites, you know. Yeah. Strawberries are always have spider mites. Yeah, I, don't, I, I haven't tell. had an issue with them here. But I've had other mite issues here. Oh, yeah, I like true. to tell people if they're going to buy strawberries at the uh, at the you know the hardware store or anywhere around that's got them, you're basically just paying for mites and they're throwing in the strawberries for free. Yep. Yeah, the best the best way to, for them is to soak them. You can soak them underwater for about uh, two hours, and that'll um, you know kill any mites on them. Uh, it won't kill the eggs, but it'll kill the adults at least, or at least get them to float off. Um, the other thing you can do is um, uh, lemongrass oil. Kapow is really good. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, what about a kapow dunk when you yep. uh, first get them? Yeah, you could do that. Um, there's a oh man, what did the the bug lady that uh, 
Suzanne Wainwright Evans. Yes, her. <laughs> um, I got you, bro. No, good, good job. There's a whole story behind that, and why? Yeah. Anyways, there's a long story behind that. Um, but she was saying they use a, uh, uh, I think it was a pyrethrum dunk, but I'm not 100 percent sure how that would work for. Oh yeah, that, right. that's an old, that's an old school clone thing. You would take a clone yeah. and dump it in the pyrethrum bath. Yeah, that's, and that's organic, you know. So yeah, yeah you could pyrethrum dunk too. I was thinking that earlier, but I always like listening to all y'all's newfangled ways to do everything. So on the pyrethrum, if you're throwing stuff to concentrate, the pyrethrum concentrates real nasty. Yeah, you you have to do it only for clones or for uh, for veggies. You you know, the trick with with water against spider mites is to think of it more as a mechanical action. It's not so much the soaking uh, about getting the eggs off, you know, Steve, is if you swoosh the plant up and down a lot, you know, if you literally um, give it a lot of agitation in the water, then you can, and you take your magnifying glass and look back at the leaves, you'll see, you, you, you can knock them almost all off completely just by more mechanical agitation in the water. You know what I mean? It's huh. yeah, think, yeah, think of the water as a mechanical uh, way of wiping the mites off. Like you're like you're making spider mite hash. Yes. Oh, and yeah, oh yeah. you know what I do is I use the water to water the plants, man. So it and I left some out the other day for a couple of days and it's got a lot of mites in it. So there was even a protein scum on top. So I bet there's a little bit of nutrients there, right? And and get this. How about the plant? Fermented bugs. I like is, it. I bet the plant starts to taste like dead mites. I bet the other mites don't like it. The other mites are going, man, there's something wrong with it. Well, you know about that, right? The hormones, the, a lot of the insects where they detect That's what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah. Yep. There's actually a, there's a product on the market. Ah, oh, I can't remember the name of it. There actually is a product on the market that is strictly just an isolated protein for aphids. Um, that's like their distress signal. Yeah, I remember what the name of the product is. I'll, I'll think of it by the end of the show. Excellent. I was just going to say quickly, carrots. Carrots have grown all right in media beds for me. So is uh, taro to a degree. Uh, the gingers, turmeric, and water chestnuts. So, so what yeah. are your on that uh, on that last topic? What are your um, your go to pest control in in Australia for for uh, aquaponics? Um, the hose. <laughs> uh, for aphids, I, I've I've got to the point with the onion aphids, the black suckers, the ones that go purple when you squeeze them. Um, I pull the plants out and hit them with the hose, and then replant them. Uh, I can't. I've tried diatomaceous earth. That's supposed to be the miracle cure for aphids. Um, it doesn't work. Um, it does work for mites, though. It, I've oh, had yeah. great well, success with mites, spider mites. Since I treated my grow room with diatomaceous earth, I've never had a spider mite since. Okay, cool. Because we get blood so mites. For, you know, but I, 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 thanks for bringing it up. That got me to bring up my diatomaceous earth, and we move on. So, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Did um? So do you guys have um uh, beneficial nematodes? Is that something that they sell in Australia, or nope. probably not? Because they if they did. I would have thrown them through the soil beds by now. <laughs> yeah. No. With um. With the aquaponics, I'm pretty much all BT-based, like uh, Dipole, Nature's Way Dipole is the only brand you can get here in Australia of it, by the way, the, for us mere mortals. Um, I've seen people use neem and the, and the soap sprays and all the rest of it, but I'm oh, still, like I'm, 
on yeah even spot spraying i like they go to all the problem of putting newspaper under the plants and spraying i suppose if you were desperate I, i'd rather pull the plant out spray it and then put it back in myself right. you want um, a shower media yeah. bed yeah um grasshoppers we just got to grin and bear it like they're smashing us <laughs> here at the moment everything has a hole in it every leafy green i pick for dinner comes with ventilation holes so it goes down faster <laughs> um yeah but i i suppose aphids aphids and grasshoppers are pretty much all the worst for us mm. oh and there's like we do have isolated tests like the okinawan spinach gets an egg pine moth and they can um they lay they lay cluster eggs so you end up with um they can strip a branch in a matter of days once they get a bit of size to them i mean everyone's got cabbage butterflies caterpillars so yeah yeah that's about it pest wise oh and uh rats they only can't turn up every couple of years so you would eat the roots uh no the rats were going all the strawberries the peppers um, oh the, oh your fruit okay yeah. yeah they're eating your peppers that's interesting so how yeah, do you really? usually deal with those uh, bullhorn, bullhorn peppers, so um, capsicums, just the sweet ones. Um, with the rats, uh, snap traps. It's tried to do the humane thing, um, tried to, you know, not that you can be humane with something that destroys your crops. But um, as if, they're, if they're the um, introduced species, we, we catch them in the humane first, and if it looks like it's the introduced species, we um, snap trap them. If they look like the um, natives, we humane trap them and move them down because we got our own native mice that we're supposed to protect by law so they go to the nature reserve oh wow that's crazy yeah <laughs> wow Makes i feed the ones i catch to my pythons yeah well if we still had our pythons they'd probably um have one or two as well so there you go python in the in the greenhouse oh we've got enough eastern browns around they they i'd say they'd knock off one or two so Oh yeah, everything tries to kill you down there. I forgot the spiders and the snakes. <laughs> Here in California, they're so foofy, they make you kill your mice before you feed it to your python. That's that's the law here in Australia as well. You got to buy them frozen. Good golly, Miss Molly! Really? Freaking snake! Wow. It's a snake. Let yeah. it do a snake thing. Right. In saying that, I have seen rats attack snakes and damage them. So. Then again, that's feeding a big rat to a snake that wasn't quite ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't feed animals uh, to uh, stressed out reptiles because they will not eat it. And I've seen the same thing. I've seen a rat kill like a, I don't know, 15, 20 pound boa. Mm. And I told my friend, I was like, he's not going to eat it right now because he's stressed out. And he left it in there and ended up killing the snake. Wow. Yep. I've, I've seen some pretty uh, wild stuff to working on the pet trade too. You know what's weird? You got certain um, certain uh, snakes will only eat stuff if it smells like a uh, frog. So you keep tadpoles around or a frog, big frog around, and you just rub the mouse on the back of the the frog, and then you feed it to them. And like, there's all kinds of weird tricks you have to do. Uh, what was it? The caiman lizards? They eat canned snails. I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff depending on what reptile you get and how exotic you get. I love monitor lizards, or I think they call them goannas, or you are, uh, they're really, really awesome pets, super smart. 
It's yeah, Mark, Steve, Mark, which Mark. is the frog where it is if you lick it? Oh, the Sonoran Desert Toad. I had a feeling you'd actually know that. Okay, cool. I worked in the pet yeah. trade uh, a long time. <clears throat> I went into a remand center walkthrough before they opened it down in Waycol oh, decades ago now. And they had um, some of the, the stuff that the prisoners used and um, cane toad skins. They used to roll it up and throw it in their durries and cigarettes. And, um, yeah, get them off the canes, the, the poison. I know people who joked about licking them, stress them out. A little bit of um, ooze comes and they lick it and get off. But, yeah, well above and beyond my level of um, enlightenment. So there's a – if you ever want to read a really good book, there's an incredible book on um, the first guy that ever figured out that you could smoke Sonoran Desert Toad Venom. It was, like, in the 50s or 60s and just – he knew that uh, – I don't know, somehow figured out that there was DM, high amounts of DMT in the venom of the Sonoran Desert Toad. And um, he got a bunch of venom, did a sample, came back with lots of DMT, and he goes, well, I don't see anything here that can kill me, and there's lots of DMT, so I'm going to just dry a bunch out and smoke it, and we'll find out what happens <laughs> without any idea if it would kill him or not or anything. And sure enough, he did it. And then they wrote this book on it, and then the, on a false alias. And there's an incredible, uh, I think it's a This American Life or one of the NPR shows. They did a whole thing on it. Oh, it looks like we had a, something on the internet happened there. We lost half the people. The only, the only thing I know about the frogs, I, not about licking them, but my, uh, my girlfriend kissed a frog, and, and that's how I got here. I'm the prince. That's right. <laughs> oh, dear. What happened there with the internet splitting? At least we got everybody back. I was going to say, the reptile, the next reptile we're probably going to get is the bearded dragon. We get them here, like, um, naturally, they just turn up in the yard. But um, I've had friends who they, they reckon that they, they're great cockroaches. We just let a couple loose around the house during the day. And um, yeah, no, no need to spray for roaches or anything like that. And look after all of them. The best. Uh, yeah, best I've got one for years. They're good, man. Definitely uh, very easy to domesticate. The best thing for uh, ants and roaches and that kind of stuff in your garden, um, especially aquaponics, or if you've got kids or animals around, is um, boric acid. Boric acid is great for that. It doesn't hurt anything except for insects. Um, so unless you're keeping tarantulas or scorpions, you're fine. Uh, but what about dogs? I, I read boric acid was bad for dogs. They have to eat a lot them. of it. Yeah. So we used to use it in the pet store all the time, and, and no, no problems at all. Okay. Sort yeah, because my, my dad makes up a sugar trap for the ants, and he uses that with the boric. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um. So what uh. So what nutrients are you guys um, using? What do you like for pH up and pH down? And what are the different um, supplements um, that you guys use down there? pH up just doesn't happen. We, we get the water coming out of the tap at over 8. So no need for that. Um, oh, sorry, pH down, I mean. Um, pH up is hydroxide. I use calcium hydroxide. Um, I should be using more potassium and alternating the two, but I've just got so much. I got given a big bucket when I bought the system off Paul Van, um, so I'm still working through that, and I'll get some um, potassium hydroxide at some point. Um, other nutrients I'm using, it's probably a bit reckless, but I'm using um, the kelp powder for potassium. 
so it's got loads of other micronutrients. I don't know if there's going to be a stage where I end up overdosing on the micronutrients because I'm adding in too much. Testing is a little bit more expensive here in Australia than it is in the States. Uh, so that's we, we don't test for... Um, I haven't tested yet for any uh, deficiencies or, um, or um, toxic, toxic levels of elements in the system as of yet. Iron, we just use a DTPA. So I found a relatively cheap source now. So I've just been using that. Um, yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. When when we have had to bring um, the pH down, I've I've pretty much all used um, hydrochloric acid. Uh, but at the moment, I'm just using the water just straight from the tap after it's been you know gassed off. Of course, I'm just using that as a buffer itself. And I found that it generally gives me if I pop in two to three hundred liters, two on three hundred liters. What's that? About fifty or sixty gallons. Um, I pretty much will, it keeps the pH nice and steady for a couple of days. So, yeah, it's, it's one good thing about having fairly high carbonates in the water. Yeah, that's great. It makes it easier to dose. I know yeah. uh, we use a lot of uh, potassium silicate. It helps a lot to get a little extra silica too, especially for um, crops that have mold problems. Well, I haven't really looked into silicate much, mainly because it was in the, the seaweed powder. From what I read, so I, I just didn't bother looking at it as an individual, which is I know is probably a bit reckless if you if you want to be a purist. But yeah. I love that though because that's kind of my thing. I see, oh, it's in there, and then I don't research it any. You know, I don't mess it. Okay, it's there. You know, yeah. So I like that somebody else says, yeah, they didn't necessarily. You know, well, know if I, if I was right. commercial, I suppose if I was. A, <laughs> I mean, that'd be a different story. It'd be stupid not to look into it. But right, know. right. Then yeah. you you got a responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but just just the feeding, you know, just for kicks and feeding the family and friends. Yeah, they can do it with a bit of without a bit of silicate if they need it. Yeah. And the fish didn't die. Yeah, the yeah yeah the fish are going. The fish didn't die, so yeah. right. And that the first rule of aquaponics: if the fish don't <laughs> die, you you're probably okay. <laughs> probably. I love the probably bit. <laughs> another uh, another great source is um, a rice husk biochar is really high in uh, silica as well. Can be put in you know in a in like a nylon bag and, and put into your sump uh, depending on the size of your system. Cool. I'm gonna have to. I didn't grab it. Pencil and pen. I'm gonna have to open something up and write this down. I would imagine <laughs> that would come in powder form. You could probably even dose that in small amounts. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No, you can get that in uh, quite a few different forms. Um. So, what other um, what other questions do you guys have uh, for well, Rob? I got one I just came up with all of a sudden because we're always about ferments and lactobacillus. So, Rob, are you doing anything with ferments or lactobacillus? In the system, no. But I do think. Oh, well, you're not doing a dual root zone, though, are you? Are you? No, Tibetan? no, no. no, no. I'm thing. sorry I got here late. So. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I haven't. Uh, in Eventually, I'll give everything a crack. I always wanted to start out doing basically the pouches in a tray. Um, flooding uh, with a little bit of a, a, a clay ball reservoir just to keep the mozzies out and all that sort of thing, and algae down. But I, I just never got around to it. Space has just been an issue. So, so okay. I, I saw you do a lot of vermiculture on your um, your channel. Do you yeah. want to talk to people a little bit about that and what kind of worms you're raising and you know, what you're none at the moment. 
Uh, we um we're we're renovating, and about oh, about a year and a half ago, we thought we we're going to start off straight away, and other things, family issues, and health matters popped up. So we I dismantled the worm farm and put them all out in the garden beds. So I suppose no, we still are farming, and all our all our garden beds are self watering wicking beds. So they've all got um, a reservoir level down the bottom, uh, wicks up. You guys will probably know, and you've got a nice old, organic dense um, growing medium. Um, I put all the compost worms out into the patch and I top dress uh, fairly heavily with um, manures, compost and um, aged manures, compost and mulch. And that keeps the um, compost worms ticking over. And we've also had the, um, we bought red wrigglers primarily. So we were told, but I know there's some blues in there as well. Um, we've got them in the yard now. So whenever I put down a compost cage uh, after the heating process is finished off and it's starting to age a bit, you pull out a handful and uh, compost and, you know, you're bound to get half a dozen to a dozen worms in there. So oh. I, I really do like the idea of inc including them um, as a tea in, with um, aquaponics. It's just not something I've really done um, consciously. I've thrown bags, mesh bags of um, castings in the sump tank when I first started out and that sort of thing. Um, but I just never um, really kept up with it. So. Yeah, a little bit in your media bed when you're first starting can be great for uh, seeding your microbes, especially nitrifying bacteria. They're loaded in nitrifying bacteria, and it can be a great free source of, of seed colony. Yeah, well, that's probably why I kicked off so um, well, because when, when we started off, everyone throws a handful of worms in. So I just did castings worms a lot just into each bed. So and they freaking well exploded too. It was amazing how fast they kicked off in the system. It must be all the bacteria, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the, the better, the more of those um, bacteria you can seed in the beginning, the better off your system will be. Um, I know we often talk. I don't know if you guys have. There's a product called Mammoth P. I know they're trying to get it established in Australia if they haven't already, and it's a beneficial soil microbe that um, breaks down uh, phosphorus, and it's used by uh, cannabis growers and and uh, by vegetable growers, and it is 100% fish safe. And man, with, with just that, it gives you almost all the the phosphorus you need out of your system just from the fish waste. It unlocks that other 15 to 20% that's that's locked up still, and, and does it completely organically, and and it's fish safe. So and when we're talking about some safe stuff, I wanted to say something about just one last thing about DE. With, with when you're using aquaponics or even any kind of a organic culture where you have live beneficial insects or worms, you can't use DE because DE will kill. The whole purpose is it scratches the the skeleton and and it dehydrate and die, and then the eggs hatch and it does the same thing to the babies. So so DE is only good if you don't want if you're not going to have beneficial oh, bugs. DE is actually uh, fine for worms because they can actually use it as a grit to grind up their food. Well, see, but you and have to let it doesn't them damage work. them. It doesn't damage them on the on the outside because once the DE comes into contact with water, it's basically disarmed. Well, well, yes no. well it it's a fossil shell. It's a it's a piece of sharp. It's sharp piece of you know material, and it scratches them is how it kills well, the bugs. I'll tell I would you. say. It, and the thing with worms, what I read, well, let me just address the worms and then, you know, and see if brain wants to come back. But when I, when my research on what it does with worms is if you mix your medium up with DE in it, it'll kill the worms. If you let the worms, if you took, if you address it, put it on the top and let the worms work it into the soil, 
I think it's what you any research saying. any research I've ever done uh, when it comes to DE says that it's safe for worms to even oh. uh, top dress your worm bin with it to keep any kind of other insects out. Yeah, top dress, top dress. That's what I'm saying. By top dressing, then you allow the worms to work it into the medium. If you were to stir it all up in the medium and then they were crawling through it, it would kill them. That's what I was trying to say. I mean, I'll I'll look it up now that you said that because I'll find the material that I. I don't think uh, even even uh, Tad Hussey, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, was talking about as soon as the diatomaceous earth comes into contact with water, it's, it's basically no good as a, a mechanical insecticide anymore. Well, so the other bit is according to Susan, according to Susan Ann Wright, uh, it does fuck all for any insects. In uh, in large scale it's testing, right? It does work for some insects. I can tell you for sure. Yeah, I think it works for spider mites for slugs really well, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. it works yeah. if you can keep the area dry. Which I, I mean, how many growers are uh, trying to keep keep it completely what? dry? It's the size of the thing, and the way it works on an insect is because their whole, you know, they if they even get a couple of slices on their abdomen, they're they they lose a tremendous amount of water, and they're small, they you know. They yeah, these, whereas a, a a a worm is a completely different thing. It's a and it's also much larger, you know. Even if it did slice up the thoracic breathers, and that messes with the thoracic breathing system. Yeah. That's exactly how it kills uh, insects. That's right, and it's got to be really dry. It's true, like Brain said, it has to be dry, and it has to, basically you just dust it on top the surface of the soil. You know, I, I don't know what, what 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 Roger's saying may be true that if it's mixed into the soil a lot, like a whole bunch of it, because you can buy bags of it. You know, it's for use for pools and everything. Yep. No, 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 no. It's great for grit. It's great for grit. Grade. That's toxic. Well, pool green is only toxic food. because it's a flower or right. super you light. You have to get, in, yes. but let's just inform everybody correctly right now. No, you have to use food grade codex diatomaceous earth. It's, it actually says that. See, see, yep, yep, yep. That's right. I wasn't pool stuff. It's got to be, it's got to be food grade diatomaceous earth codex. Uh, it says, it actually well, it's called pool. diatomaceous earth food grade codex. C O D E X. The difference, the difference between food grade and pool grade is pool grade can include lighter mo lighter molecule, whereas the food grade is a molecule is above a certain weight, so it's not as much of a dust and, and a breathing hazard. That's the only difference. So you can actually it, use the right. lighter the lighter one. So pool grade will actually work Thanks, better Steve. as an insecticide. That's good to know. Thank you, sir. You just have to right, be Steve, mindful. But, but you're putting yourself at risk for your your own respiratory system. If you if you inhale that stuff, it's not good yeah, for your respiratory system. So do not use. I don't care. I'll fight this one. Uh, uh, do not use uh, commercial pool, pool grade diatomaceous earth, or unless you want to, you know, get, get ill. When you're old, you'll wish you hadn't. You know, um, Rob, Bob, you actually have a really cool formula for worm food, which is one of the cooler videos that I've taken away from you on your channel. Do you want to touch a little bit about that? Because I thought that was awesome. Which which one was that? The uh, the dry one? Yeah, that you had like the the yeah. different. Uh, I I, cop flat. I I get I cop flat from that uh, from worm grows all the time. They reckon it's overkilling all the rest. Um, basically, what it was was a whole heap of uh, stuff. I was cleaning out the pantry. 
And there's always that corner of the pantry you never go to, and there was stale oats and flowers. I think there was some rice in there and some other bits and pieces. And we just ground it up, and I dusted it, used it as a dust over the top of the um, the beds. And I think I sprayed it with water and molasses. And I just noticed they were I, – I do my normal slushy, which is another thing most pro worm guys don't like me doing. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, they were just smashing through that before they were even touching the um, the green stuff. They – they they just absolutely loved it, and I noticed a a, um, a huge amount of cocoons um, around that area not long after feeding it, probably about two to three weeks after feeding it. So I just put anecdotal, of course. Um, they just preferred that a lot better than the the green stuff. So and by the way, the, the anyone watching who's seen my other um, green slushy clip, um, it's. A lot of people um, reckon that it makes the bins very moist. I run a, a dry worm bin. I know a lot of people like to um, spray theirs and run water through it and all the rest. All my bins are dry, so the only moisture that comes in is in the form of the vegetables. So I end up with a, uh, a dry flaky layer on top, except for where I'm feeding. So Not that anyone's probably watching it, it'd give a rats, but yeah, thought I'd just mention that. Do you ever take your um, fish solids and put them in there as well? Um, no, because I had so many, I had far too many garden beds here. I couldn't even make enough compost or afford to buy the fertilizer to go in them. Um, I went to, they say, go, what is it? Go big or go home. I went far too big. So I had to bugger off very quickly. Um, I, I, all my solids from the radial flow, I was, um, alternating them around specific beds in the patch, uh, that were nitrogen hungry. Um, so that, that was pretty much where they were going in the future though. Um, I'll be looking at doing a digester. So I was put off that idea to begin with. Um, I misinterpreted something Paul Van said when he came around here one day. So now I've learned a little bit more about the, the digesters. I'm looking at getting another one of them in the system here. So, yeah. And that uh, will be reintroduced back into the system rather than used external. I, uh, I personally think that doing offline remineralization gives you better, more controllable results than with the bioreactors. The bioreactors do work and they're great, um, but they're less, you have less control. Um, and that's especially when we're growing higher dollar crops, we really want to have that higher level of control. And um, yeah, yeah we, we've done a lot of work with that. And um, yeah. Well, I'm only just touching on that now with um, Ryan Chatterson's course. I'm only just up to that one. I've been stalled on it for about a month now. Two months now actually i haven't gone any further just other stuff keeps popping up but yeah that's that's the bit i'm looking at now and there because i've only heard i've seen a lot of stuff online and no offense to everyone online but there's so much yes and no and all the rest of it, it it's hard to know what to listen to so um paul what paul said was just he, he's an amazing guy his head's just full with knowledge he'd come camp out the back and he'd be chatting for three four hours and like i'd probably retain about Five percent of what he actually went through. He's very analytical, very scientific, very detailed, and it was a bit too much for me to comprehend. So, probably should have um, recorded it all. Sorry, the dog wants me to throw stuff. That's all right. Last week, Frenchie's dog was uh, vying for his attention as well. So, <laughs> oh, she's addicted. She, she's addicted. She's a rescue dog, and the only way they gave her attention was to throw the ball for her repetitively all day. She needs one of those things where you pop the ball in and it shoots it out for her so <laughs> so um what uh what other um strange or exotic or maybe crops that you've seen that you've grown that other people haven't grown 
Um, water chestnuts to me just make if you're in a warm climate and you like your your um the, the crunchy um I don't know if you've had Asian food that's in a lot of Thai and Chinese. Um, they go phenomenally well. They can become a weed in the system because all you need is the smallest corn not to be harvested and they'll come up year after year. Um, no more, Lizzie. Um, the other one would have to be um, gingers. Um, I've, I've seen Cracky's um, hydroponic ginger um, clip a couple of times now. And once, once we get a bit of property, I'm actually going to look at um, running a hydroponic um, ginger dedicated commercial bed just to see how that'll go. There's um, a lot of the people I know around here, I've asked at a few different restaurants, they still buy their ginger from wholesalers, except for one that gets all their stuff grown by family members. So I'm thinking that they might that might be a little niche market for us to um, break into once we get this new hoop house sorted out. Have, uh, have you, uh, did, did I hear earlier that you do some saltwater aquaponics? No, no, no. Oh, no, I had, no. Um, okay, sorry. Okay, I misunderstood yeah. something earlier. No, I had, I had high, high salt levels to um, help out some fish. Oh, okay, that's where that came from. Okay, because I've got yeah. this dream of having a saltwater aquaponic system, and I want to grow pistachios. <laughs> sweet. Yeah, if it works, it'd be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, bo a boy can dream. Yeah. Well, it's an ebb and flow, basically. You know, they grow in a tidal basin. You know, they're a shrubbery, basically. They grow in a tidal basin. So it's an ebb and flow thing. If you can if you can make an aquaponic, saltwater aquaponic, and it's in saltwater because they originally came of the Mediterranean, and yeah. now they're grown off the coast of California, primarily for the United States. But they came from the Mediterranean originally. Uh, when I lived in Turkey as a child, you could go down to the docks and buy a whole bag, like a, a brown bag you'd put a beer can in and for like a quarter and get right fresh out of the Mediterranean tidal basins. You know, so I've always had a, a, a passion for that. So I just wondered, you know, you being down, down, well, you probably don't like down under, do you? Because you feel like you're on top of the world and we're, on, we're under, don't you? You know? <laughs> It's almost salt water down there. He's halfway. You know, Roger. There's some you, there are some places where there's halfway to salt water in the world. You know, play, lakes where it's very hard. Some of the big brackish, brackish, yeah. Malawi. Well, I live in an area where we've got an ocean, and then we've got yep. brackish. No, I live I live near a lake where you can take a canal down the lake to brackish water, and then go from brackish water right to the ocean. So yeah, you're. My impression I live of there, I, I live there. It's pretty. I, my impression of Australia is that the water is the real hard and real salty down there, right? Your water supply, Rob. Yeah or no? No, it's um all it all comes from the sky, just like the rest of the world. Oh, um, yeah. it well, water comes from the mountain peaks. The it snows in the winter, and the water and the snow melts off the mountain and fills the rivers that run downhill and fill everything. That's how we get water. Is it comes off the off. that's oh, why we're, we're, that's why global warming is such an issue. Oh, yeah, you know, but we're not going sideways in the global warming, but you know. yeah, it doesn't snow where he is. No, nah, we're in the, we're in the subtropics, so we've we've just um our wet season's almost over. Is um, we had what a foot of rain last week almost, so uh, over two what's, or three days. What's then, the hardness? You know, what's the hardness of your water? How many parts per million? Out, out of the tap, I don't know, I haven't tested straight from the tap, but the pH is coming out at roughly around about 8, 8.3. But it depends oh, on what the water for, too. So. Yeah. 
so you, they don't, you don't use the tap water. You use collected rainwater or or uh, old tap, old tap here. Oh, you do. Yeah, um, the house is we. The um, there's lead paint on the gutters, lead paint on the roof. Um, so once the house is renovated, that's something that's going to be addressed, and we're going to have um, proper water tanks put through, put in, which will be used just for aquaponics. Cool. Now, is this a city, a, a government city type water or a well? Oh no, it's all we're we're on. Um, there's two dams that feed Brisbane. There's Somerset Dam and Wyvernhoe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And city water. Yeah. So it's um yeah all dam. I think we can put balls in our backyard still. Oh, there's so many different bloody regulations. Um, a lot of the people I know who do have balls around this area, it is very hard, very hard water. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I've got, a, I've got a well at 7, uh, seven to 7.2, 7 about 200 parts per million. So i got a great well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. perfect. I mean, it grow. you can't stop stuff from growing here. You, <laughs> you, you can't. If you if you kill everything, something else will grow there like crazy, like tomorrow yes. in um, two weeks, you know. So you, I saw you had a cool video on um, growing pineapples in aquaponics. So how long does it take to to get a pineapple? That wasn't me. That wasn't me. No, that okay. will be soon. That will be soon. I've got a couple of heads drying out in the kitchen, and um, I've got a couple of suckers, and I've got a got a mutant three headed or two or three headed sucker. Why don't you tell us pineapple. how to do that, Rob? What plant a pineapple? Yeah, yeah well, so like you say, your suckers and and like almost like you clone in a pineapple or something. Well, well, yeah. well they're bromeliad, so you get your fruit. So you get your fruit, you break your fruit off, and then um, through the base of the bromeliad, um, you'll get little babies shoot out. So those guys there, you can either leave on and you'll get a smaller pineapple the next year, or you can break them off and plant them in the ground. Um, there's conjecture online as to um, which grows the biggest pineapple, so I'm not going into that debate. But generally, you just get your um, your pineapple, grab the top, twist it off. Actually, I'll go grab one back in the tick. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going for. <laughs> I'm cloning pineapples out here. I was like, let me see, let me see. <laughs> All right, it's going to be pina colada time. <laughs> yeah, because hey, pineapple's good. Now, I think we all can agree pineapple's pretty good. Oh, there we go. <laughs> this is this is one I harvested a couple of weeks back. It's just been sitting on the bench. And that's that's pretty much all the um the section that came out of the pineapple there. And just get in a decent angle. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. you just twist it out, people cut it off and all sorts just, of just malarkey. Yeah, it just out. Twist it out. And then down the bottom here. All you need to do is just pull these off like an artichoke. And I should have brought the other one out so I didn't have to do it all on this one. <laughs> so I've already done awesome the other one. Demonstration live. Hey, yeah. A plus. This is awesome. And then this see this was supposed to be a video for my channel, folks. But <laughs> I won't go we too. We stole far. it. Yeah. Oh, we hijacked it. All good. Um, I don't know if you can make them out, but there's little root nodes down in there, and that's where the roots come from. So basically, I I like to let mine dry out so they don't rot in the wet soil. Um, and you just like plant a potato. That. Like a potato. Yep. I'd probably pull out another four or five rows of these just to give me a little bit of um of depth into the soil, but I'll I'll save that for the clip. Um, and then just pop it in the soil, and away she goes. 
So that, that's pretty much all it. They don't have a really massive root system though. So, I mean, these things can grow anywhere up to about, um, oh, probably about five to six foot wide uh, once they get going. So they're, they're not something that's probably good for aquaponics in that respect. They might be good on in a bucket off to the side. Um, but yeah, um, they, they basically will fall over. So yeah, that's the other thing with a media bed. They may not be too stable. There you go. Start a sips pineapple. Well, Colonial cool. pineapple. Thank you very much, my friend. That was excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Only on Growing With Fishes podcast you get to learn how to clone a pineapple. I'm telling you. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Well, did you know you can also get oh, some, Rob, um, Yeah, why don't you tell us? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead, Rob. Some pineapple will also have seed. Uh, the eyes, where the little flowers come out as they're developing, all those little eyes are a little flower, um, a little purple flower on ours. And so, I, GMO, crossbreeding, conspiracy crap. Um, but originally, they used to have little seeds behind them, um, little black seeds. If you Google um, or YouTube, Search um, growing pineapple seeds. A few will come up. It can be done, but this this way is just so much faster. Well, like you don't think eighteen months to two year turnaround for us. You don't think that's just common bolting, like uh, other other vegetables when when it shoots up the shoots and has seeds. Like, um, well, no, it's a bromeliad. It's the only edible it's bromeliad. bromeliad. Yeah, it's a totally yeah. different type of plant. Okay, so it doesn't bolt then. Okay, it sounds not, like bolting. What you're talking about, though, where it shoots come up and produce seeds. That's how you well, get seeds from no, on the on know. the out on the outside. So on your on your pineapple itself, you've got the little um the little sections. Out of those little sections on the fruit itself, you'll have a little flower come out of that. That's what happens when they're really small on a bush. I could probably, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Your time. I mean, okay. If I knew how to use hangout. I could show you, but um. Yeah, they have a little purple. Owls have a little purple flower. Dad's had a blue flower. Um, but behind them, if they get pollinated, legend says you'll end up with a seed behind that section. So. <laughs> legend. <laughs> yeah, I like legend. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. Legend has it. So on that note, what kind of what what uh, varieties of greens do you grow there in the tropics in warmer weather? It'd be great for people um, to know they're trying to grow warmer weather here in the states. Yep. Can I can I just have a, a five second, guys? Sure, sure. Just, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, he already said water chestnuts, so that's cool. That makes me interested because that I'm in Carolina, so it's humid and tropical as hell, you know, pretty much here. We're and you know, especially towards the closer to the ocean you get. But um, so that was that was kind of interesting to find out that he likes that. And now pineapples, I would I wouldn't wasn't sure that we'd be able to grow them here, but. I'm kind of interested in that. That was neat. My uh, grandparents grew them down in Sydney, but then again, they were on Coleroy uh, Plateau, so they don't they didn't get the frost. But they grew them down in Sydney, which is a um, classed as um, subtropical, but it's more warm temperate. So, do you feel like you can't grow in an area where you get frost? You can't grow pineapple. Oh, pineapple in? can't. Pineapple can't. No, they're frost, tropical. So. They're, yeah. they're tropical. No, yeah. but uh, even in a dorm, there's not a dormant time of the year where there there could nope. be. No, it's a burns, it burns, it burns. So yeah. you could maybe do it in a greenhouse then because you would be able to keep the greenhouse, you know, yeah. warm enough and wet I, enough, I think right? Rob, yeah. Robert Bigelow, right. he's, he's growing them in his um, greenhouse. Yeah, so I, maybe I could try. I, I bet you they bring, what a kind of bug and pests, extra pests and bugs would a pineapple bring, though, being a sweet fruit? Nothing. Nothing, nothing really touches them. Really? Nothing. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, so that sounds like the perfect thing. To they're more dangerous. They're, they're more a danger to you than you are to them, mate. They're, these guys are spiky buggers. And you get some of them, they've got like a little um, sawtooth on the on the um, leaves as well. So Yeah. You cut yeah. yourself, in other words. Yeah. yeah. It's like growing in agave in your grow bed, which, you know, would also be uh, about as unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cactus, yeah. I was just thinking cactus, and you say agave, yeah. So, which is like a saw cactus, like a saw-shaped cactus, isn't it? What um so what type of greens and what varieties of greens are you growing there in the warmer climate? Right at the moment, I've got um bok choy, wombok, um bok choy, wombok. I've got some okinaw and spinach that are struggling because of the magpie moth. Um, just trying to think what's in the beds. Oh, Brazilian spinach. They are, the Brazilian spinach just loves this um, climate. So does the okinaw and spinach. Uh, Warrigal greens do all right. They're a bit hit and miss, I found, in the aquaponics. Like in the soil, they've just they've turned into a weed in the backyard. Um, but aquaponics, I've had a few issues with them. I had really good success with the perpetual chard, uh, perpetual spinach. It it just, last year I had, um, was it last year? Or the year before, I had a massive plant. We just harvested kilo upon kilo green from that. Uh, sweet potato is a good one if you like them. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Malabar spinach. The 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 climbing uh, Malabar spinach. It just it just went ballistic last season. Mites ended up getting that. Um, but they're 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 our main ones. Like I, I could live off um the Warrigal greens, uh, the Okinawan spinach. I really love. It's got this really nice, unique flavour. It's almost like a a cross between carrot and lettuce. So I really love that one. And Wombok, I could eat Wombok every day if we could keep the grasshoppers and the um, cabbage butterflies off them. Uh, but lettuce, we've had a couple of varieties go really well for us. One is called uh, Rabbit Ear Lettuce. It's a warm climate. It's a Cos, or what do you guys call it, Romaine family? Yeah, um, Romaine works here too. And the other one is a Coral Lettuce. It's just something mum and dad grew in their garden for about four or five years. And it just continually self-sowed. Um, and I ended up, once I got some seed here, I just kept um, selecting the last large plant um, that did well to go to seed. And I just tried to um, tried to select the variety that all the, the strain that would um, go to seed the slowest in our temperatures. Oh, yeah. Even in winter, it just bolts. Yeah. Because, I mean, winter our winter days can get down to um, 20s. Like, we might have a week. Oh, well, sorry. That's centigrade. Yeah. Um, no worries. Yep. That's okay. Uh, 20, yeah. yeah, yeah. Centigrade? You do you do real temperatures? <laughs> Some of us do here, yes. Some of us, yeah. Um, yeah, so it gets down to um the low. It's like 20. sixty-seven or sixty-eight degrees for all you people out there. Yeah, sixty-eight. Thank you, Fane. Um, so very rarely, like I mean, we have two or three mornings. Oh, actually, I'll be generous. We'll have like seven to ten mornings where it gets below freezing every winter for two or three hours so we really don't have a winter so that's kind of like it sounds like you've got a lot of what you grow is what we can grow here where i live mm. you know and i've got a hydroponic greenhouse and exactly. uh <laughs> i'm trying to go into aquaponics but you know i'm all by myself and life's a bitch but um 
so you don't get as, nearly as much as you want to get done in a time frame you'd like to get it done in but uh, it sounds like you grow so anything that you say you could grow it sounds like i could grow and since i have a greenhouse i think i could grow the pineapple because i could keep it warmer at least to the tolerant level in the winter because uh, i've got a sounds like a challenge yeah no, I'm just yeah, yeah 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 well yeah, that's true we should have a grow off now I can go to the store and buy a pineapple and clone it, and we'll see. You know, we'll see. He wants to throw down and have a grow off. <laughs> no, I'm not having a grow off against anybody. I just think that what no, he's just, growing, just, what, what Rob's growing in his land. Where do you live, by the way? I missed you at the beginning. Where do you live? Um, Ipswich, southeast Queensland, Australia. Our our city is a bit of a Queensland, a bit of a bogan city apparently or a bit yeah, of a I, I, I was pretty certain it was australia you know yeah. I was pretty certain but just yeah. just a little bit of point pointer with the um the pineapple uh, what they're doing here in australia is they're coring the center out the pineapple grows are coring the center center out of the head so you can't grow them that's another i don't know if it's an urban legend or not but it's something they do over here uh, because it takes the heart out this bit here that um starts the roots off so I've never seen one. What they do mainly is they just chop the top off because it's easier to pack without the head. So just so I mentioned that. Awesome. Yeah, do, you, uh, do you guys have um, sweet sop or, or sugar sop? I'm trying to remember the name. Sour sop. Anona. Uh, Anuna is the Spanish name for the sweet sop. And then the, the sour sop. I think you guys know what is sour sop. Sour Muricata. Oh, and, uh, okay. Um, so you mean custard apple? Yeah, custard apple or uh, yeah, yeah, that one. Sour Yeah, custard. We've um we've got friends who've got custard apples um locally. Uh, I don't have any here. Sour sop. We were told to get because it was another new miracle fruit that was going to cure us of everything. Um, but we never bothered getting one. Um. We've pretty much all the only fruit trees we have here on our place are, are three or four different three different types of bananas, uh, mulberry tree, uh, strawberry guava that I still haven't killed, um, figs and figs. yeah, lots of citrus. Yeah, figs another superfood. Yeah, those guavas can be finicky. Eh? Oh, ours, ours, when we bought ours, um, intending to put it in the ground when we renovated and it just has been in a root pouch ever since. Like, it's it's surviving and the fruit are forming, but, yeah, every now and then I forget to water it and the fruit drop off. Strange how that happens, but, yeah. Have you tried doing any trees in the aquaponics at all? Um, yeah, mulberry. Um, the mulberry absolutely flew out of the gate. I just did cuttings and I um, had... I use my aquaponics for a lot of cuttings, generating cuttings, um, just to keep them ha happy. And one took off uh, particularly well, and that's the one that I'm um, just got in a small little, I guess, uh, seven-gallon root pouch at the moment, just biding its time to go in over the new chook pen or chicken pen. So, cool. So you're growing your fruit trees with your chickens. Um, yeah, the mulberry will be in there. I don't know if I'm going to have it in the ground yet or whether I'm going to have it in a, um, I might, uh, I've got a couple of barrels I've taken the bottom off and I might use that as a guard and grow it raised out of the ground to let the roots go down into the ground just because I've, I've seen them dig up trees 
so quickly and buggers. And I, yeah. I don't want if if I wire it off, then it creates somewhere for rodents to um inhabit. So I'd just rather just have it yeah something easy to manage. Cool. Yeah, so like... rodents bring eastern browns. That's I'm a bit I'm a bit venomous snake phobic. Pythons I'm fine with, but the venomous ones I yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not real fond of. <laughs> You guys have possums and stuff too, eh? The, or uh, some other possum-like little creature that comes in and yeah. stuff, stuff, right? Yeah, we got we got nice ones, unlike you guys. Ours are um, uh, we get the little ringtail possums. They're a little brown variety, um, so they're pretty much all what have um, had a bit of a nibble on our mangoes. Oh yeah, we've got a mango tree. Uh, keep forgetting about that one. Um, oh yeah, good. Um, the possums, the possums really aren't a huge issue for us. We used to have uh, brush-tailed possums, the big ones uh, with a black, they were grey with a black tail tip. Used to get them a fair bit here, but um, yeah, I think the last one was roadkill and ended up in the um, compost bin out the back here. So I like to recycle everything. Um, yeah, but those, those guys, when they're in, um, they introduced the brush-tailed possums to New Zealand for the fur trade and they went feral and they eat birds and eggs and all sorts of stuff over there. But over here, they pretty much will just stick to fruit. So I've been told. So mine comes up and eats leftover cat food. We got a big old giant possum. Yeah, yeah, you're, uh, you got some ugly suckers over there. I tell you <laughs> what, they, but they play. It's funny too. If you run up on them, they play possum. They just lay down, you know. But my one one night, my pit bull was walking outside, and he was always real like stuck with me. And all of a sudden, he kind of got weird and ran over there and started barking and there was a possum and i this is the first time i ever heard a possum like actually snarl back and i oh, you know, don't even snarl back yeah they you. hiss i was fixing to say yeah it's like a between a cat and a dog being nasty as hell you know oh yeah. or, or your old lady oh oh you know I, oh yeah i said that yeah send all all send all complaints to steve at hardtimes.com okay so, anyway. uh, yeah, yeah so sorry i had to go on a possum yeah i got a big ass you know possum what else is, you know yeah. what else is crazy about the possums is they're immune to most snake venoms they have uh, a ground that makes them immune to a lot of toxins and poisons that's why they can eat like trash in the city all the time even stuff that is uh, even a little they can even to tolerate a little bit of antifreeze and stuff that other animals can't so they're they're really their smart. livers are hardcore yeah very smart. You got prehensile tail. Amazing animals. So how are we doing in chat? We got any more questions for uh, Rob? I really like your comment, Rob, about about people starting small. About uh, the 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 word yeah. you used the the you said heroic. Somebody does a heroic setup. I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna rem that one's burned into my brain that's that you can say that across the the board for almost you know 90 percent of human endeavors it is the testosterone <laughs> i like that too i i enjoyed that you said that too i i thought that's what another thing you know i i try to teach you, you know learn to learn to plant learn you know learn your plants you know start a smaller system that you can control you know i i i was I was off to the side in a little part of my office at the time, and and I really did like you bringing that up. Thanks, Mr. Green Jeans, for reminding me that that's a really good idea to, you know, start with a system you can control. 
you know, so that's, that's learn how to run it. I'd say that next to how many fish can I have in a system, that would be the next the next most common email I get or PM is my fish are dying, what's wrong? And the, I've got fish, like a right? copy and paste now. Um, how many fish, what size tank, what size flow rate is your pump, how yeah. big is your biofilter, how big is your grow bed, how big is, yeah, because nine times out of ten, They've seen someone say, oh, you can throw 100 fish in. I've said this before, but you can throw 100 fish in an IBC and away you go. Yeah. Your, knowledge, your knowledge and skills got to grow before the, the, the technology, before the need yeah. for the, the bigger technology. So you have to understand things before you sink the bucks into yeah. some kind of technology that you don't, you know, that you don't understand. Well, Bianca was getting the shits with me because I was talking about growing with fish for like two years and she said, when are you going to pull the trigger? When are you actually going to do this? It took me two years because I had no idea about fish. I still don't know enough, I don't think, about um, fish. Um, and, yeah, she got she got the shits with me and made me buy a couple of IBCs and forced my hand. So. So, you say, so you're saying you can take a, a hundred small fingerlings and throw them in an IBC and that's where you – no, that's too many. Oh, yeah. No, go for it. Go for it. I, I suggest you put a couple of two, uh, 100 two-pound fish in there, mate. Start off with that. There you go. <laughs> Why? That's a waste of money. It's, it's, like the, it's the quickest way to make fish emulsion that I know. <laughs> in case anyone was wondering if that was sarcasm or not. The other oh, one, sorry, is, uh, yeah. if, if you've got deficiencies, it means you need to feed your fish more. Well, no, it might be oh, a nitrogen yeah. toxicity, and if that, or you might have crashed the pH by overfeeding yeah. them, and that's your problem. <laughs> I, I don't get that one much. I don't get that one much. Or but, what do you mean you have to add other things other than fish food? That's another good but, but you look at all the videos, and I mean, I'm, I'm, no, actually, I'm not guilty of this, but all they say is you need fish food. I think I've been smart enough not to say all you need is just fish food, but all the, you know, look at what I grew just using fish. That I just call BS every time, but you know, someone getting into it doesn't realize you need the, uh, at the base level, you need um, some sort of buffer and you need some sort of iron at the base level. I mean, calcium can't hurt. And on the amount of fish, I think what I've learned for the last year or so being with the panel is that what people don't understand and I've come to learn is that and what we were just joking about is that it actually takes a lot less fish than you would yeah. think it takes to be straight honest for you people that, you know, didn't know where the hell we were going with that. But uh, well, well, that's I'm, I'm, I, I, like Marty goes, well, I got like 12 fish, you know, and he's growing this, you know, this, you know, it's yeah. like. Yeah, so I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I see. I thought I was going to buy this big, we start this big giant reservoir and get fit, but I want to raise fish too. I want to eat fish and you know, and then well, distribute to different to different systems. So I was thinking about starting a little bigger because I already had a, a hydroponics farm, you know, so I felt like I had like I could handle just do well, I'll just keep building and I have ability to build new new hoop houses and stuff like that to house different grows with you know so i thought buying a lot of fish might be prudent but then that's just a whole lot of fish when you first start out the more fish you can kill 
you know, <laughs> when you start out. So, so then I like, I like the idea of this, well, just go down to the fish store and buy 12 goldfish, you know, <laughs> and if you really want to start, there you go, you know. You well, go. I started mine off on um, 10 goldfish and it, it cycled on 10 goldfish before I got, I just had a basic chop and flip jobby going. And then I um, popped them stupid thing. I popped the goldfish into the thousand liter tank into the IBC and had to try and fish out these bloody small fish well, when I put the jade perch in because I didn't want two species together. But mum and dad, they've been running their system without any fish for um, it's well over 18 months. And mum just goes out every day and puts a, a dessert spoon of um, fish food in. And she's just running straight off that. Um, I must say she's never had a pH issue and I uh, haven't seen any iron deficiencies in the water yet either. But then again, it's not being, if there's whatever irons in the fish food isn't being taken out by the fish assimilating it. So it's like so green type of organic hydroponics. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah no, I can agree with that. I agree with that. Or it's like you, instead of buying organic hydroponic concentrate, you've got it right there. And then you cycle it through your hydroponic system. Although it's yeah. an aquaponics based hydroponic like, system. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like turning a green crop in on the field. It's like eliminating the animal. Instead of instead of feeding the green crop to the animal and putting the manure on the field, you're just growing the green crop and turning it directly in. That's right. what she's doing. She's just eliminating the fish. Yeah. It's awesome. But no no offense to my mom if she watches this because she does watch my clips. Um, because I'll link this to the channel. But um, I sort of didn't trust them with fish for a little while there, so it's a, it's a bit far to drive. It's a bit far to drive if you know something goes pear shaped at you know, ten o'clock at night. Right. Cool, because she made a discovery, though. You know. Pardon. Sorry? I said it's cool because she made it a discovery. She yeah. discovered that that you don't. You don't need fish. You can feed yeah. it directly. <laughs> well, that's that's the safest. I, I when people ask about cycling systems and they're saying like I'm, I reckon peaponics is great, and one day I'd like to have a proper large peaponics um, system going. But when people ask for cycling, they're talking about you know which clear ammonia do I put in, and and you know do I need goldfish and all the rest of it. Just start off with the fish food. The amount of fish food you're going to feed your fingerlings. It may take a little bit longer for it to break down and release into the water than, you know, putting just straight urine or um, ammonia in there. But you're going to get into a routine of feeding the fish and checking the system every day, plus putting the measured amount needed in for the bacteria. So I, that's whenever someone asks about cycling, that's, you know, pretty much all what I recommend to do anyway. I don't know if others do that. Else, I'm not saying that's the right way or the only way. It's just what I recommend. No, it is. Yeah, just get, get a couple yeah. of cases of beer, invite your friends over, and you know, tell them all to uh, to use the system. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, ammonium uh, ammonium chloride is actually really good too. If you're looking yeah. for an off-the-shelf. Well, that's that's what the commercial guys use that I've seen. They they start up systems straight with that. Plus, and again, they also um, ship in um, growing bacteria to help seed as well. So, from labs, do you guys get that a lot over there? Do you? I suppose it would be there would be guys growing commercial bacteria for sale, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, we have lots of different companies and all different kinds and combos of bacteria and yeah. um, all different kinds of isolated bacteria for all different kinds of things. For both pest control and for nutrients. 
cannabis industry stuff. Like, I mean, basically what we were talking about before the show, you know, the stuff that's especially made to uh, target for the cannabis industry. Yeah. Because I know um, uh, I, when I first started out, I, I got suckered in by a um, well-known aquaponic company here and I bought a bottle of water that um, spent um, 10 days in the post to get here that was used supposedly going to be used to feed my system. So I... Yeah. I was told by them, assured by the guy in the shop that I bought it from, that it would work. And then, yeah, I just... <laughs> Ten days in the Australian summer in the back of a, a post truck, yeah. I don't think there was much bacteria left in there by the time I got it. No, that water was probably safe to drink at that point. Yeah. Very expensive. <laughs> $15, $15 for uh, 200 mils, I think it was. Oh, man. When I used to work at Aquaponics Source, we used to have... Um, we used to sell little sponges, and we had those in our... Um... Uh, 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 we had a couple different bigger healthier display systems and we had all kinds of wonderful microbes and stuff we used to sell those live in water and we used to overnight them uh, to make yeah. sure they get there and that worked really well yeah. one, one of the things I noticed going to the uh, high grow store was uh, you know I, I, I started my growing in the cannabis uh, arena before that I had killed cactus and so I was dependent because uh, I was when I started, I was, you know, back with my back injured and I was on a lot of opiates. So I couldn't think. So I trusted going to the hydro store. And what I learned after about a year and a half of going to the hydro store, God bless them. They're wonderful people. However, in the cannabis world, it seems like the only people who were manning the aisles at the hydro store were people who couldn't make it growing. <laughs> and they would just sell you know like you'd ask a question they'd sell you the next bottle of stuff you'd ask a question they'd sell you the next bottle of stuff and i after it took me a while because i'm not too quick on the uptake sometimes but I, I learned that you had to actually do research you know go to ag school go to places you know like steve's classes and whatever to learn the real deal rather than somebody who had you know two grows or three grows before it all failed and then they wound up getting a job at the hydro store uh, well i don't think people like that get uh, in my area they don't get jobs at the hydro store because uh, guys that own the hydro stores are growers usually you know that want to be able to buy cheap equipment <laughs> do they have hydro stores in australia or are they <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good question bro for rob do they yeah. have like a normal uh, grow store you don't. Oh, you got a your mic's muted there. That buddy. helps. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, no, I used to frequent them years ago myself. Yeah, I started out. I started out growing like many people for recreational purposes, right. and then I got into food when I realized I needed to eat as well right. as being moving out of home. Um, Me too. So, but of course, I I did inhale, but I don't grow anymore. Any police watching? Um, <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, all sentences of allegedly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's loads of hydro stores, and of course, they're going to tell you, you know, there's all the they're growing what? tomatoes in every shop what? and all the rest of it, and there's what? What? there's a love hate relationship between them and the police, but what? things are getting a little bit easier now. So, you know what? I've run a giant forum, and the the members cannot buy off of eBay. eBay Australia will not allow any nutrients or uh, no, you know, for sure, cannabis grow supplies or anything to be sold. So it's 
Always, I'm always trying to help guys get stuff. I'm sure aqua gardening has got a hydro. Aqua gardening have got a hydro. Well, I need I need some links. Can you post a couple links of places that I could pass on to my Australian members in our forum to it's that they could get grow supplies? Oh, there's there are tons of hydro stores. Um, I, well, don't, I don't want to. I don't want to mention. I don't want to plug anyone okay. in particular. So but sure. there's there's links on my videos down below that okay. will take you to a large hydro I'll, I'll do supplier. That, Right. So fair enough. They also do um they also do ponds and aquaponics as well. So right. Right. No worries. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. I'll 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 check that out. But yeah. I do, I I do they always say, you know, I've got people from Australia all the time. I can't get this, I can't get that, I can't get I oh, can't they, they might be talking about there might be something um specific. Like grow lamps, for instance. Oh grow lamps. No, I've got two under the house. There's, I'm a yeah, but can you that. buy them on eBay though? Yeah. I mean Oh, you should be able to. I can't see why not. I, 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 uh, grow, I could. See, I could. My excuse was I always had a couple of tubes of veggies because I was under the impression that if the police ever raided me, I would say, "But I'm growing food. You cannot right, right, right. my ability yeah. to grow food," which I learned later was a load of crap, and they could just take it all. Um, I used to but, use um, Dutch leech tray to grow lettuce like that. But those, you know? yeah, all the all those lights, um, I. All those lights came from stores. There's there's no issues whatsoever. You can Google, um, look on eBay. It, yeah, that's uh, weird. There was I, a point, uh, another point. I think I was trying to make, but I missed it. I had an Australian uh, grower uh, come to one of my classes uh, last year, actually, and um, he was telling me that there's town uh, parts of Australia where they're putting parts per million testing meters in the sewer systems. And they're using that in order to find people's hydro grows because they're dumping their nutrients and down the drain and then they're ending up having to pay for water to clean up. So that which is some oh, of the crazier stuff I've heard of for any Oh, I actually government. my wife works for the EPA, um, or a version thereof. And that may be they may have um confused that with trying to get the big guys, not 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 little growers. But they're, they're trying to because I mean the waterways are just being screwed up by people throwing everything in there. So I think that may have been twisted on something along those lines. Nitrogen and phosphorus, or somebody who got huh? caught up, uh, caught got was growing in the wrong neighborhood or something. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's I don't know, I don't know. But that that just doesn't. I mean, when I when I was doing it, there was like every helicopter that went overhead was a an infrared like looking for lights, like you know paranoia. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, not I remember it, ne it never happened. I don't think they've, um, to my knowledge, limited well, knowledge, there was never anyone caught by an infrared light in a helicopter. So the alleged good nutrients are no different than one a day. Multiple vitamins. There's the same contents in multiple vitamins as in plant nutrients. So yeah, I don't. But it's all heavily regulated in island early. countries because of. Um, a runoff and because of microbials they're they're mainly yeah. looking for microbials. Oh, microbials maybe All that's right. that's the biggest thing they're looking for it's like in jamaica you you pretty much uh it's really hard to get stuff registered there unless you know someone well see microbials cause shit to grow crazy somewhere else because it washes down into the water basin and now you got shit going crazy because of the microbials that were washed out of yeah. the drain that's why they're freaking out about that yeah i that may you know that Yep, was, uh, I, Australia's been so screwed up from all the from all the introduction stuff. So, 
All right. Uh, well, uh, uh, why don't you tell people uh, how to find you and um, uh, the content you got coming up? I know we have some links below. I know you have a bunch of oh, different um, uh, things that you support and, and uh, ways yeah. for you. Well, um, I'm pretty much all just trying to cut everything back and just focus on YouTube. Um, and try not to get on Facebook because once you get on there, it's a downward spiral. Um, <laughs> um, I've got... Aquaponically, I'm, I'm working on a series because I, I'm just answering the same questions over and over again. I'm working on a series. That I've already done the first one, what is aquaponics? I'm not trying to be a guru or anything like that, just trying to basically explain stuff. And the next in the series is going to be um, basic aquaponics setups because that's another question I see a lot. What's the best sort of aquaponic system to build? So I'm just trying to do a whole heap of clips along those lines just for people first starting out in aquaponics. Um, I'm not trying to tread on Murray Helen's toes or anyone who does courses. Um, then we're getting into, um, I'll go to start looking at the plant nutrient side of things a little bit more, but that, that'll be probably towards the end of the year, um, mainly because I, I need to learn a lot of this stuff again. Um, I, I did do a course years ago, but I've just forgotten so much. Um, so that's, that's what I'm doing um, aquaponically wise on the, um, the YouTube channel. But other than that, I'm just I'm just gonna you know pretty much I'll just keep chipping away at that. I, I don't have any huge plans. We're trying to get the house renovated this year, so at some point I can actually do small workshops here, uh, just for four or five people, however many the council allow us to park on the property, um, and just do aquaponics will be one of the focuses, but mainly just backyard farming, how to grow protein and, and veggies in your own yard. To try and become more self-reliant and you know responsible for your own existence which is pretty much for what i'm trying to be so um yeah that's that's about it so you raise you raise pigs or poultry huh you raise hogs or poultry is that what you're saying no, we've, we've only got we've only got a 600 meter block mate we've got um oh, oh well, you said protein so i was going what kind fish. of protein? fish oh fish Okay. fish eggs um yeah just oh, to give you some people get confused and think we're, we're on a huge massive block um our block is um 0 0.06 of a an acre or where are we it's um 0.16 of an acre or 7300 square foot that's that's our property size here so we, we are on a smallish block 1.6 wow yeah, no, 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 point, yeah. 0.16. He's on 7,000 square feet. 0.16, okay. Yeah, that's we're on a pretty small block. So uh, just to give you some idea for um, um, our chickens, by law we can only have three chickens on our property. Oh, yeah. Um, that's yeah, so, yeah, but we can have quail. We can have as many as we want, but chickens we can only have three, so little loophole there. Yeah. Um, but the back, yeah, once we get the house renovated, we're going to do that. And I also want to pull out the gardens and start again. The wicking beds have got roots all through them because of a design fault when I first made them and all the rest of it. So, yeah, hopefully a lot of that will be coming up on the YouTube channel. And the chicken pen is still in pieces in the backyard ready for me to put together. So, One at a time. Yeah, oh, they love giving me um, over on Patreon. They love, you know, jabbing me in the ribs every time we have a hangout and ask me when the chicken pen's up, so... Being, <laughs> being built for the last eight months now, I think. Yeah, why don't you tell people a little bit about your, your Patreon? I know you do a lot of content there first. Yeah, Patreon. Um, 
Patreon really surprised me how well it's it's done. Um, I had people ask me if they could help us out by throwing us a couple of buck here, bucks here and there. So I started up Patreon after a couple of people hounded me. And I pretty much will like to do unique content just for those folks who actually take the time out of their day to support us with a couple of bucks a month. Um, I post, I was posting a lot of videos there pretty much all every day just for the Patreon folks, but I've sort of cut back a little bit. Um, I'm speaking to people through the Hangout and they suggested that, that what I'm doing at the moment is a couple of small clips and then for those guys, releasing them once a week as a vlog for everyone else on YouTube, is they're happy with that. Um, yeah, but it's just basically somewhere for me to share slightly unique content with other people so they get a bit of value and they feel like I'm not trying to rip them off and cyber beg for their dollars. So I, I don't, I'm not really into that sort of thing. So I don't like doing the hard sell. But if you join today, I'll send you a set of fake knives. Awesome. You'll do what? Send you a set of fake knives. Fake knives. Is it those big crocodile Dundee knives that he was shaving with? The real um, knives. You mean the real knife. knife? This is a knife. This is a knife. This, I've got a real knife. knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, Patreon's great, but I, I, I feel a bit bad about because i know that some people consider it um cyber begging and that so that's why i'm trying to do a couple of different unique clips just for those folks over there and they always end up telling me that i'm being stupid but yeah, yeah. hey if you're providing of, uh, more they, want, they want good information and they pay a couple bucks for it there's nothing wrong with that well see that's the other thing like when people join up to patreon all they got to do i know i can be a bit slack at times but the whole idea is they've got my ear. Like the first thing I, I try to check in the morning is Patreon. If they've got a question, I'll help them out. Give me a dollar a month. I don't give a crap. I'm still there to help them. So they've taken their time out to, you know, scratch my back. I'll scratch theirs. So that's that's one thing that Patreon members get, I suppose, that most people don't get because um, I've got a couple of hundred emails about answering YouTube comments I haven't gotten to yet. So, um yeah, it's it's. I suppose they've got my ear, and we do the hangout for the third tier patrons, where we hang out for a, supposed to be once a month, but at the moment it's about two to three times. Oh, sorry, about every um, second or third week we're having a hangout there, and we just chat. We can talk anything about politics, gun to, gun control, aquaponics, gardening. It's a bit of a mixed bag, is whatever goes on there. Not as not as focused as this hangout. I'll put it that way. So, you know, I, I noticed you said you're staying off Facebook, and I think that's probably a good idea because the one thing I've noticed about Facebook, the only thing people don't seem to be concerned about is actually saving face. <laughs> they will say some dumbass shit. And, you know, at least on YouTube, you can ignore well, no, it. The photo on, you know, you're getting somebody there. The aquaponic forums are just as bad sometimes. The, uh, some of the different boards can be pretty ridiculous, but you'll notice the people that scream the loudest on the boards generally don't have a business or anything else to do, which is why they're posting all day. So, I I, I see them all as a tool. I, I started seeing Facebook as a tool where I could um, find information for myself and give other people information, but I, I've noticed it's become a little bit too um, grubby and political and all the rest of it that I really don't give a rat's about. I've got my yeah. own beliefs and, and all the rest of it, and I'll stick with that, and I'm happy to take other people's opinions and whatnot. But it started, I'd seen 
to a degree because these people friend me as well i've seen it move in like from the forums to the facebook to all the rest and i think it's just getting ridiculous oh yeah so, uh, yeah i've and and the forums the forums are great there's some real gems like i've got to plug backyard aquaponics because without them i'd still have an octopus out the backyard i was on another forum and they told me i needed a dedicated hose coming from the fish tank not even a soul's lifting outlet to run to each bed and um, no one ever corrected the guy who told me that as a newbie but as soon as i mentioned something on backyard aquaponics they all just laughed at me nicely of course and um, suggested I try using a slow and a single outlet and then break off that to every bed. And, yeah, so those guys over there, they went out of their way to help us a bit, so I, I figured, you know. And there's, there's some wombats on there like there is everywhere else, but they generally have a really good content. So you, you could possibly pick up some new followers if you came and joined my forum, I com, where Brain Grow and a couple of other, the, most of the panelists are members, but you could share some of your aquaponics and your links to your... I'd, my, I'd, I'd love to say yes, but I'm trying to cut it back just to YouTube and Patreon at the moment. I just, <laughs> I'm stay-at-home dad and people think I, I do nothing all day, but I've still got to look after, um, we don't iron. You. We don't iron because I don't believe in it, waste of electricity. Um, but I've still got to do the clothes and the lawn and the, and the food and the vacuuming and the dog and the daughter and, you know, all the rest of it. And getting online, like after I look after the questions in the morning, I don't even have enough time to do the aquaponics course I'm supposed to be doing. Right. So, right. yeah, I've, no offense. But, oh, I know. Yeah. I thought it would pick you up maybe a couple extra customers because, like uh, I said, we've yeah, got, got a lot of people from Australia that are always freaking out about finding yeah. stuff. Well, and there you I'm are that know where you can find it you know well, you got a yeah. place to, to push them you some go over to rob bob's channel and, and check yeah. out all the cool stuff yeah he's, i'm he's not really links, he's got links not... to the stores and stuff over there and his and... yeah yeah i can i can maybe do a thing i might be able to do a thing like that yeah roger well, i'm not really into it for the views like i'm i've had people tell me i'm trying to get famous and all the rest of it how long how long did it take me to get on here steve like, I'm not really in it for the ego or the notoriety. Yeah, been, I've been trying to get him on for a good year now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a farmer. He's not PewDiePie. Yeah. Right. I was waiting for the beard to the to go long enough. I was trying to beat yeah. Steve. <laughs> well, I let my I let my go when I was in Jamaica. It was it was a lot more impressive before uh, <laughs> that trip. Well, you know yeah, how it's uh, in the tropics when a beard's too long, it gets kind of unruly. Yeah. A little bit naughty. You just get tired of it. Yeah. All righty. Well, we'll let you go, and I really appreciate you having you on, and um, you're welcome problem. anytime. And um, thanks a lot. Not a problem. I think I shall be back. <laughs> awesome. Enjoyed it. Thanks for coming, Rob. Thanks, Great. Just really appreciate your input. Yep. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you again. <laughs> thanks. Diesel. Take care. What's up? We got uh, some other people. Oh, I wanted a quick shout out. Um, he uh, uh, had Josh had to leave earlier, uh, but um, big quick shout out to um, Josh at Dutch Blooms. Um, we will be doing another um organic cannabis. Uh, I'm sorry, the Science of Organic Regenerative Cannabis Conference. This time will be in Humboldt. Uh, one second, I'll give you the exact location. Uh, in Redway, California. Um. In Humboldt County, it will be uh, March 16th through 18th, uh, and I believe there is actually a two days beforehand where um, Elaine Ingram is doing a two-day 
uh, unless that's changed, I got to double check, but I'm pretty sure Elaine Ingram is doing a two day intensive microbial course, uh, before that. Uh, so if you're looking to, um, uh, check out a really cool source of, um, of, uh, information, definitely check that out. And, uh, Rob, you're welcome to, uh, stay and hang out if you want, um, yeah. throughout the rest of the show, or if you need to get going, uh, you know, feel free to run. I'll, I'll hang on a little bit. Um, my daughter will yell at me when it's time to go. So, Okay. Um, so how have you been, uh, uh, Fish Ganja guy? We haven't had you on in a little while. I've been good, man. Um, not too much is going on in my neck of the woods. Uh, only notable thing right now is in my veg, I'm uh, dealing with some root aphids. Um, got some soil and didn't do my Neiman toad treatment because I was a little broke at the time on uh, – the new uh, seedlings that I started and lo and behold, the one time I didn't treat, they showed up. So I just did a, uh, metarhizium fungus tea recently and, uh, also, uh, redosed some nematodes on everything the other day. Um, so their numbers are dwindling off, but you know, I just wish it would go a little quicker, but if I want to keep it on the cleaner tip of the spectrum, I gotta just be patient. You know, I guess, um, do you guys have any suggestions? beyond what i've uh, been doing uh for root aphids uh, the only thing you can really do uh, you could do a neem drench if it's in soil um and that sometimes works but it, you, you need to have the plant early on in veg if you're going to flip it right away it's not really a good option um the other option is just to let the nematodes work so that's what's that's what's going to work the best and what's going to get rid of all of them um any any drench you're not guaranteed that you're getting them all yeah. Plus, uh, they're aquaponics safe, so you can use them in soil or AP. Well, everything I'm doing is in soil right now, and um, yeah, none of these are going to be flipped anytime soon. But the other thing is, um, also, I don't want to go buy any name right now because cash is a little tight. So I'm uh, going on the uh, route that I've already got stuff for. One cool thing, though, is it's the first bug I've actually seen ladybugs eat. Normally, I just see them um, dying in my garden and, you know, mating. But this is the first time I've actually seen ladybugs go to work. So that's actually one thing I've seen that they've been good for. I just see them hanging out in the soil and just diving, bobbing onto them. Well, that's good, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, I hadn't tried. I also know that um, lacewing larvae will, will eat them and, and burrow around a little bit, but not too much. But I've heard of that also working. Yeah, no, this is the first time I've actually seen my ladybugs laying eggs, too. And they're just laying them uh, right outside the pots. So it's actually um, kind of interesting to see the natural predation take place. That's cool. What, uh, yep. what strains even, are you growing at the moment? Even cooler when all the aphids are gone. Fuckheads. Um, let's see. Uh, in flower in a separate tent where there are no root aphids, knock on wood. Um, I've got Geist Grow OG, which is a 100% Indica, um, four-way OG cross. Um, I've got uh, a Banana OG cross I'm testing for a breeder. I've got uh, Cannon Beach Cookies is looking really good. I've got one from Andromeda Genetics. It's killing it. And I've got three Durban Poison females uh, that I'm you know hunting right now. And then next round coming up is what I'm um, popping out the seeds for. It's some more of that uh, banana OG cross. I've got cherry head from a buddy of mine, which is uh, cherry pie crossed with headband. And then 
There's one from Route 6.4 Gardens, another buddy of mine. It's, uh, what the hell is it? Um, called Desert Rose is the name he picked. It's Afpac crossed with uh, Zanji, which is Zeta Sage and Tangi, um, which is his breeding male, I believe. But everything is looking healthy. They're just um, pissed off because they have root aphids in their cups. But, I mean, they're still powering through it. So, it's what it is. I just want to be vigilant. That was an excellent lesson of all the genetics and everything. Thank you very much there. Doesn't it uh, suck how much slower uh, soil grows? (laughs) Dude, it's incredible how much slower the veg is. I didn't even realize until I saw the difference. It's fucking painful. Dude, it's it's like watching paint dry. Oh yeah, it's Dude, so aquaponics, bad. It's like I can come back and you know six hours and oh it grew three inches, you know, uh, or two inches, you know. And in soil, it's like oh, I think I got half an inch today. I got I got two inches today, maybe the whole day. You know, it just grows so slow. Painful. So yeah, as soon as uh, I can get some property and get an aquaponic set up going again, I am all over it. Nice. I but, know uh, uh, yeah. Alien, Alien was just moving to Mar- uh, your area, somewhere in Oregon. Alien Gonzalez? I thought they sent him back to Cuba. No. <laughs> well, that one they did, but uh, the the guy from Facebook, uh, for those of you that know, he's one of the moderators. For I don't know. I'm not on Facebook groups. anymore. But yeah. uh, cool. What's well, that's all that's going on up here. Awesome. What about uh? What about UEC? We haven't had you on the show in a little while. What have you been up to in your grow? Um, just harvested out some white lotus from Bodhi Seeds, which is um, Chrome's the white cross to snow lotus, as well as uh some of his blue snow, which is uh DJ Short's blueberry indica to snow lotus, and then some pretty wicked as well from North Star Genetics, which is Chem D to Gooey Breeders Purple Mayhem. And um, just working on selecting a new male from uh, a selection I made out of Trey Stardog across to my keeper, Pretty Wicked, and going through a bunch of seeds of that now. And once I have that done, I'll probably hit those to all my uh, own onlys and like elites and other seed selections and go through those and have fun with that. But uh, just nothing much right now, just uh, hanging out. <laughs> But that's about it. How about you guys? Uh, what about what about you, Brain Grow? What have you been up to in your grow, and uh, your extractions? <laughs> well, uh, like I was talking about before the show, I actually ran a batch of hash before the show got done. Probably about an hour and a half before, and got me something to eat and stuff. But um. It's pretty crazy because this strain that I'm running, which is the Ninja Fruit uh, by Ninja from Ocean Grown, uh, when I run the hash, I get blue to lavender uh, trichome heads. And I'm basically doing uh, the way Frenchie does in his video on YouTube, uh, which is pretty interesting because after doing that and realizing that on your first run, you don't have to give it very much of an agitation at all to get a very nice yield. Uh, I'm starting to cringe when I see people running their material for uh, five, 10 minutes at a time. I'm like, Oh my goodness, just, you know, give it a little bit of agitation for the first 
minute maybe. And what I'm using is uh, it's interesting because uh, when I see most of the hash videos, they're using that little washing machine and it spins the water both ways, right? So, and it has a little hose that comes off of it and just drains all the water. You don't get all of the plant material that goes into the 220 bag. You just get some plant material comes out, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't get all of it as, uh, so much as if you were like actually using the 220 to, uh, agitate the material, get the trichomes to fall off that way. I used a little one and a half gallon bucket cause I have some one gallon bags. I used a one and a half gallon bucket and just threw some PVC fittings and stuff like that on there and a piece of hose and it works pretty good. Uh, like I was saying, um, today I probably used maybe half an ounce of material and, uh, But uh, I, I probably used about um, maybe maybe half an ounce of material as opposed to before I used uh, volume-wise. It was probably about twice as much, and the yield looks like it really came out about the same, which is pretty crazy. looks like when it dries, it should come out to about the same. And uh, other than that, uh, in my grow, I've got uh, the Ninja Fruit 3 that should be I just cruised past week nine. So we're starting week 10 already and flowering for that. And it's doing pretty awesome. Those buds are huge. They're finally starting to get some, I know I said this last week, finally getting some pistol heads uh, dying off, but there's maybe a few buds and it's weird because it seems like it's ripening, ripening up instead of from the top down, the, the buds from the bottom are kind of starting to ripen up before the ones on top. So that's kind of weird, but it's, it's looking like it's going to be a pretty awesome harvest. I got uh, my few plants vegging. I actually got a hold of Roger from True Aquaponics, and it looks like uh, he's going to be sending me uh, the line of the, what is it, the three-week nutrient pack? He's going to send me a six-week dose. So I was thinking with my grow, I'm going to veg it out like normal, and then once we start flowering, maybe a week before flowering, I'm going to start using that nutrient pack and see how that goes for the flowering process. Um, let's see. I haven't been doing much rosin lately, especially because of the hash. Yeah. So are you washing your bubble or? What do you mean? So after you, after you have your bubble in your bag, are you taking the, a sprayer and then going through and, and trying to break off the trike head, uh, trike stalks and everything, or are you just, uh, separating and, and, and using it or drying it right away? Uh, like when it's in the bag, what I've been using is a little bottle with just like a little squirt head where you can squeeze it, you know? So I kind of, I'll rinse it, you know, in the bag and do it that way. I'm not exactly sure if that's what you're talking about. But uh, what I'm using for agitation is I'm just using a spoon, like I'm just using a wooden spoon and I'll stir it around for about, I don't know, on the first round, I'm literally doing for a minute or less. And if you watch Frenchie Cannoli's video on YouTube, the way he does it is, okay, uh, with the washing machines, it spins it one way and then it spins the other and it does that continuously. With his first wash, 
it was probably less than 30 seconds. It's, it spun one way and then it spun the other way. He cuts the machine off and he says, that's it. That's my first wash. And then he uh, runs that into the bags and, you know, it goes on from there. And so from seeing that, I was just like, my mind was blown. I was like, what the heck? That's, that's insane. Cause everybody else you see doing it runs it for, like I said, over five minutes for sure on their first run. When I was doing it, you know, I was using a little spoon on the drill trying to get the most agitation I could, you know, and I feel like that was absolutely the wrong way to go about it, you know, because the way Frenchie explains it, the way Frenchie explains it is the, you're using the water current to stroke the heads off of the, off of the trichome stocks. Yeah. If you're using, and that's what, that's what, what's, I was going to say, if you're using one of those small five-gallon washers, if you want to slow down the speed of the wash, too, for, like, your first wash, you can always use, like, a fan speed controller and find out, like, the right setting for it. And you can actually control the, like, how fast you want the water to move within the uh, machine itself, which is good if you have, like, really dry material and don't want it to turn to dust, like, right away, which can be annoying when you, you know, even you have a pump sprayer washing it in the back and be a pain if it's really just, like, turned to dust in a sense. Right. And uh, whenever he does his video, he's actually using uh, dry trim. So what he does is he starts with a layer on the bottom of ice and then throws the trim in, which is dry, and then throws the ice on top. And then uh, from there, he lets it set for a little while to let the plant material cool down. And then he adds the water and lets the material uh, rehydrate. The rehydration phase is kind of what he this is how he describes that and i wish i uh had had the pleasure of being able to take his uh hash hash class because that sounds pretty awesome you know but all i can speak on is what i've seen on youtube from his videos you know yeah. and the biggest thing ahead. is that once so he has that then he drains it in through the screens but the screens are up not in the water they're out of the water and then he takes a spray hose and he's he's rinse basically rinses them and there's a technique that you can use to basically knead or work the uh, uh, contamination uh, out of the heads. You, you just kind of work it. You make a foam and you blast the foam through the side. And that's kind of the, the way that you rinse or clean your trike heads. That's how you get that, that super blonde or clear or, or bright yellow. Um, yeah, it's because you're green. Through. Yep. Yep. And just not over agitating and not trying to you know, totally destroy the plant material because that's how you end up with the green stuff. Right, exactly. That's one of the points that he really uh, drove home to me, especially, is that you're not trying to just pulverize that plant material. You want your plant materials to stay intact because then you're going to end up with chlorophyll in your material, in your hash. Yeah, Brain, you were mentioning that uh, you're following stuff on Frenchie's videos. I can't remember if you were on uh, when we had Frenchie on, but he announced on this show uh, that he was going to be releasing a direct-to-the-camera class, if you will, as if you were at that class. Uh, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it 420 he's releasing that? Yeah, on April 20th. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome to attend. Are we going to have a 420 show? Or a Thursday night show. Uh, 
I don't know, maybe both. It depends on what's going on that week, and I still don't know what my April schedule is yet for which event I'm going to be at. So, Well, after all, 420 is Mind and Brain Grow's one-year anniversary on the show. So. We, uh, I will. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that. I was on. Or were we on on the same episode? Yep, last year at 420. I thought oh, it was sweet. you and me. I don't know. I, I totally can't remember, to be honest. I am going to find a way, I think, to be at the Du Grosch Cup. Um, trying real hard to be out there for that, so that'll be fun. And uh, that's April 15th. Um, I know we have the... Uh, I'm teaching the medicinal herb class at Ouroboros on March 10th and 11th. And the um, there's a commercial aquaponics class uh, March 22nd through 25th uh, with an add-on day. Um, one second... Yes, March 22nd through 25th with a one-day cannabis add-on on the 26th. And again, that will be um, the, the add-on day will be more commercially cannabis-geared. Um, you're going to get a lot of the information, or most of the information, uh, or a large chunk of it anyway, as far as aquaponic operations uh, out of the commercial class. So we'll have uh, just one day of, of geared towards just cannabis as well, uh, if you so choose to take that. Um, yeah, just wanted to touch on that. As far as upcoming events... Lots of lots of events happening this month. <laughs> That's for sure. And next month. And Dennis Perone's uh Oh yes, uh, yes. Uh Dennis Perone's memorial is on um the evening of Sunday the eleventh. Uh it's five to ten PM I believe. Um there's information in it below, uh if you're looking for the link as well as for the uh, regenerative uh cannabis conference, there's also a link for that as well in the description. Along with most of you know the panelists' uh, YouTube's. Yeah, actually, uh, something else I've been interestingly enough, I got I got a couple of ducks and some chicks yesterday, and I was taking some videos today of the ducks swimming around in my aquaponics system. So I'm probably gonna upload that to my Instagram exclusively if anybody wants to check that out. And they're actually eating dried cannabis leaves off of the surface of the water. Ducks quack me up. <laughs> uh, well, other than that, let's see. With my mycology project that's been going on, I have uh, one jar that's just about fully colonized. By tomorrow, it probably will be. So we'll be going through about a week of letting the rest of the mycelium consolidate the substrate. And then I'll be going to fruiting. And that pretty much goes exclusively to my Instagram channel as well because youtube's not very friendly about that stuff i have found out so uh yeah my instagram is where most of the good stuff is uh other than if you're talking about my aquaponics growing i post most of that to uh, i love growing com. some pictures i post up to the facebook aquaponic cannabis growers group awesome. i also got a moringa tree that's growing in my uh kitchen system it got pretty long before I put a light just kind of beaming directly on it. So it's got a really long stem and it's got some foliage that finally started growing at the top. This has been a pretty cool little experiment to start. Awesome. Yeah, Moringa grows really well in aquaponics. I grew a bunch when I was down in Jamaica. and clone it real easy too. Pretty hard from seed though. Awesome. Kind of a bitch to grow from seed. 
Is that the same one that Filipinos call molongai or something like that? Is that a in Cali? They call it. They call it drumstick tree, I think. Yeah, the fruit looks like that, right? Yeah, triangular pod. You break it open. There's white seeds inside. Uh huh. I think it's the same. Yeah. Yeah, I actually planted the pod straight down into the media bed, and it just took off from there. I didn't really have to do anything at all to it. Just chunked it in the media bed, and that was that. Well, apparently the, the way to grow it is to just not give a shit and just stick the pod in and not try to not try to baby it, not try to plant the seeds individual, not try to give it an easy time. Just jam the thing in your grow bed. It'll grow, apparently. Right, don't neglect. <laughs> Awesome. Neglect. What have you been up to, Mr. Green Jeans? Oh, not much. I'm sorry, my 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 video's not working. I had some cool plants to hang around behind, but uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, the same old thing. But uh, yeah, lots of the family members have got them using medicine thanks to Tommy's wonderful recipe. And we got that. We got a. You know, I built a press. I got the the parts came in the mail the other day and. Stuck that together. I was messing around with that. Already got some wonderful results out of that. Even if I so, where did you get that from? Uh, I just bought a a, a ten ton, uh, you know, an El Cheapo with a. It has a gauge though, and uh, and then I also bought a separate set of plates and a PID controller. You know, with heat uh, with nails and stuff like that. And just got all the, you know, just bought the parts separately and threw it together. It works beautifully. As far as I can tell, it's it's really nice. But I've got to get some other things. I don't even have any parchment paper. Uh, I don't have any bags. I might want to get those because I probably have fairly amount, a good amount to mess around with. And a fr- Those little fr- bags, they run pretty expensive from what I have yeah, looked right for. What would if you anybody recommend? has a good link, then definitely share that. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I've not, I haven't even gotten into it. What 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 do you re- you have? What have you tried? <laughs> I haven't been using bags, man. I've just been pressing straight rosin. I'll press it with a little uh, hash puck press, uh-huh. and then I'll do like a gram and a half. Seems to get a really good yield. That's probably about the most that you can fit in that little hash puck press that I have. But I, I stick it in there and uh, press it down into a little puck and then throw that in the rosin press and it just gives a real good, uh, I think real with good my, yield on the first press. I realized you've got to give it time to heat it up. You know, you've got to just kind of like put it down and let it heat first. Like the heat's more important than the pressure. you got this 10-ton press and you're like, wow, I could really crank it up. But that's not really the deal. The deal is to heat it up, you know. So, and I was only putting it on like 180 or a low temperature, 170, which I think is the bottom, you know, you should probably start experimenting at probably 200 or whatever, right? To start with. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think I do mine. It's, I can't remember. It's, I do mine at 110 Celsius, which is, I think like 215, 220 Fahrenheit, if I'm not mistaken, probably wrong about that, but it's, that's where I do mine. I think I was trying to low temperatures, but a couple of them came out really nice, like really waxy, and they make wonderful hand lotion. 
it's amazing. was saying that uh, when he does it, he does it at a really low temperature and does like really extended period presses, which I would have to see that because that sounds kind of out there. But, you know, if he has success with it, right which on, I, you know. Of course, you know, I always make seeds, so you know I accidentally left a seed in there, you know. And <laughs> I think that ruins it because there's a lot, a lot of fat in there. But uh, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that that's a take home. Don't leave a seed in there accidentally. The fat, the fat in the lipids will help you preserve terpenes in your rosin. I'm sure it's good medicinally. It's probably great, but you can, it's really obvious that it's uh, it's a bit it's different than than the rest of the stuff, and it's a big. There's a lot of it. Like one seed is is quite a bit. <laughs> of whatever it is <laughs> whatever comes out of that seed is is you know to a, a plug that i think was probably around a gram and a half i'm guessing i don't know i didn't measure it it was only my third try or whatever so there was a seed in there you know and it <laughs> it definitely uh changed the the texture of everything a lot and it was fully mixed in because i was cranking it down you know, I've got the 10 ton press. I don't think you need that much pressure. And I wasn't using 10 tons. I was using, but maybe three, two or three tons. That's probably excessive. I think that time and Is temperature. Pneumatic? What? Yeah, I mean, I just got the press, you know, I mean, I was just like messing around with everything. So I was like cranking it down. No, but like, is it pneumatic? Like, is it a air no. pressure no. press or does it, is it like manual press, hydraulic or something hydraulic like that? Hydraulic shop press. Yeah, hydraulic shop press. Yeah. With a gauge. Like a bottle on. jack kind of thing? Like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, t a bench top, uh, it's not the floor standing one like a lot of people have used for like the 20 ton size for there's like the you know you buy it at harbor freight this one is more of like a bench top model and the the hydraulic part is on the side and you crank the handle um sideways but you know i mean it's like an h frame that it's about 40 i think it's 42 inches tall by 20 inches wide or something like that it's a it's bench top what bearing press is what you bought exactly a it's bearing meant for press. bearing presses exactly that's exactly right and this one has a gauge on it so which is pretty important because if you're pressing against nothing which you are doing with the plates you're pressing i mean you're just pressing against you know itself uh you definitely want to be careful not to exceed and blow out the the only so the good thing about having a gauge is just not to go too high but I don't even think you need the three tons. I think already I, for the little tiny amount that I was using, the small size of the puck, because it's all about square inches. You know what I mean? You could talk all about the pressure you've got with the tonnage. PSI is the name of the game. Right. So it's all about the size of the puck, right? So whatever size of the I managed to make the puck and get it to squeeze. That's why I think you should heat, you know, heat and slowly press I think the temptation with the 10 ton is just to go, wow, you know, I love tools too, you know. <laughs> and that's what but my I, girlfriend said. It's all about the square inches, not the pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally, you know, it's very tempting, especially with the 10 tons, you know, so you're like pulling on the thing. But 
I, I think that uh, I figured it out by the third or the fourth run that it's more important the time and the heat, like to go slower, let the let the uh, the plates heat up the the puck, the plug, and uh, and uh, you know spend time going down, like crank it down a little bit, then stop, then crank it down a little bit, then stop. You know, I think you you have to develop this whole skill. <laughs> Well, brother, you're, you're 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 preaching to the choir here. I am I am a major advocate of low and slow. Low, <laughs> low, low temperature, go at it slow. You spent a damn long time getting that material, or you spent a good lot of your money. That's how we're making uh, the oil. We're you, we're making your oil recipe. I've already got the ant on it. She's totally on it. She loves it. Um, she's made it a couple times. Um, we're ab about to buy a, a what did the cooker you use a sous vide, sous -vide cooker? Yeah. Now, Roger Roger found the best sous vide, uh, like a dollars or something on QVC. Bang! What's what's it called? What what's uh, the brand? QVC.com. It's like a yeah, a uh, thing or something like that. Yeah. Oh, all you gotta do. Let Roger say it. Roger knows. All you gotta yeah. do is go to QVC.com and look up sous vide, which is. S-O-U-S-B-I-D-E. Yep. I know it. Yeah. Excellent. Thank uh, you, Roger. You do that, you'll see one. You'll see one with like a handle on the top. And actually, it was David Hogmaster that found this first. But this is what I bought, too. I bought the same one. Nice. And it clips to, like, instead of buying a cooker, you, I mean, you can do that, but it's going to cost you 200 to $300. And this one, you can just take um, a big saw a giant saucepan and it clips to the side which any of them do they all clip to the side of the the reservoir i mean but if you buy a reservoir uh i think rubbermaid makes one it's going to cost you a hundred something dollars for the reservoir it's going to cost you a hundred something dollars for the sous vide and the and, and it has to be the right sous vide uh, for it to, to fit in the reservoir. So what David found was go to QVC.com. They've got two of them. One of them's got like a handle. It looks like you could pick it up like and carry it around the yard with you. And a big old dial with a digital dial on it. And it's perfect. It's uh, like it's like 198 bucks. You get that, and then you you just get you a big saucepan, like a, a eight, you know, like a two gallon, a, a couple gallon saucepan or whatever. More like a gravy pot, not a saucepan. A little taller. You want a little bit more volume, is you know, like maybe like. A well, I'm talking about a spaghetti sauce pot, like you make yeah. for the whole family. Yeah. Which is like eight quarts. I was least. just thinking of taking a little fish tank and. Um, Going in there and bending the little uh, thing on the on a big heater, you know, put I, a little. I don't know how that water hot water would deal with the silicone. I would feel safer with a pot rather than heating up my silicone. And keep in mind also, it's only 118 uh, degrees, though, right? I don't know what silicone does with glass in a fish tank. I just know a pot ain't gonna break on me. The sous vide recirculates the point. water. The, it recirculates the water. It shoot. It, it sucks it in. It, it, you know, it, there's an impeller at the bottom of it, so it's heating yeah. it up. It's coming in there. It's heating it up, and it's shooting water and causing water circulation. Yeah, circulation is as is important as the heat control. Right. right. That's the whole point. Yeah. I get it. 
I'll tell you what, you can go about all the different ways, but Tommy had a bunch of old home way, homemade ways, but you can only, you can only, uh, you can't really tell with this digital model. You can't buy a better, you can't get a, a less expensive option for a hundred bucks. You've got a digital, you know, and it's guaranteed to be within an inch of the degree. And that's what it's this, making the oil is all about is having that perfect uh, temperature for days. You know, that consistent temperature for days. It doesn't, it, the water doesn't dissipate that badly. You know, you may have to add some water here and there over five days. I would think you'd, common sense would dictate you're going to have to add some water. What but, is the infusion temperature again? What? 118. 118, right. That's what I remember. That's low. I don't know. That's not, that's not hot. But to keep it, at 118 for five days yeah it's the key so you buy this device for 100 bucks you put the you put your you know you fill up the water to now that's one thing i wanted to ask tommy do you put the water over top of the jars like you you know you you do you have the jar submerged in the water or do you keep the tops of the jars above the top you know without should be submerged right jars I, I should be Jar should be full all the way and it's submerged completely. Submerged, submerged. They don't, to, they don't have to be submerged as long as the bottom half is is they're fine. Okay, so basically, so you got some leeway, so it's not that critical at that point. But what happens is this sous vide uh, uh, apparatus that they sell on QVC for a hundred bucks. In fact, you can get it for five payments of twenty bucks or something like that. And and. Uh, it, it, it does the job. It keeps your temperature. It's going to be for five days. It's going to be 118 or 120 degrees, whatever it is. You know, it's going to be that. It's going to stay that temperature. It's not, you can't do, you can't, you can't count on that even in the oven because the ovens won't go down that low. See? So that's where Tommy had a homemade sous vide thing he had, which was basically throwing a, a heating element in the bottom of a thing of water, you know, but you can't control the temperature for sure as well with that method, although it works. With this, you want that exact temperature because it's been determined that that temperature is what brings out the exact type molecules and, and, and that are available to your body at, you know, and infuse the, the coconut oil at that temperature. So that's that's why it was so important and that we, we found that. I mean, you can go buy them on eBay or Amazon. You can go buy them all day long. All you got to do, all you need is a sous vide. That's oh. it. You don't have to buy the one we're saying to buy. You can go buy the Rubbermaid deal where where it's a, like a big plastic thing with measures. It's like a big giant measuring cup, rectangular measuring cup with a hole on one end in the top. And you stick the sous vide on the side of that, and then you cover the top. And even with the one we're doing, I think David puts cellophane or something over the top of the pot. He does something to, to, to keep the heat in to help, you know, and the moisture because – the moisture, the replacing the water would be more prevalent if you don't have a, a, a top on on the on the pot of some sort. But you can't put a regular pot because the sous vide is clipped to the side of it. So you have to kind of fabricate a thing if you're using the pot method. But then Tommy might be able to, or somebody might else might be able to elaborate on that. I'm not sure because I haven't done, I haven't really even used mine yet. I've just been, I bought everything, and now I've been waiting for the. Well, I'm waiting to collect what I want to do. I'm going to act in the act of collecting the uh, the flower that I want to use and, and the and the trim that I want to use. I I got a question. I got a question. Tommy, are you still there? 
Is he there? Hey, uh, I, I want to know what would be the difference between the canola oil and the uh, and the coconut oil? Because obviously the coconut oil absorbs a lot more THC, and the coconut and the canola oil doesn't. So it seems to me like, and I've done this before, like you can run a second uh, run of absorb, you know, of infusion. You can let the, you can put more fresh canola oil in and it'll infuse again another batch that seems to be pretty potent. You know what well, I mean? We do it's, that with this too. We do that. Yeah. We, we, we cheese. I'm Eating not probably, but. But even we with the coconut oil, first five days, and then we redo it for three more days with fresh oil with the coconut oil. Oh. Huh? Yeah, because it seems like it seems like you, uh, there's more to be to be infused, even yeah. when you let it go for quite a few days. Yeah. Yeah. So you do five days first, then you coat, then you strain it to a cheesecloth and get all the oil out. Then you put the matter back in the jar, fill it back up with coconut oil again. Do it another three days at 118 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So it's two. It's two methods. Tommy's method is two method. Uh, two, two separate cooking. Well, three. You got the decarboxylation for the one hour at the beginning. Yeah. And then it has to uh, cool down completely before you put it in the sous vide bath, and then you cook it for five days at 118. Then you you let it you you, you strain that oil out. Then you put it back in with fresh coconut oil in the same matter that you were using and do it for another three days and then you're finished. Yeah. I can't address the canola oil thing. I just know Tommy explained it in the coconut I, oil. I'm More pretty sure it doesn't it doesn't absorb to the kind to the level of potency that that the uh coconut oil is coconut oil's got a lot more it's much more like butter, you know what I mean? It it um you know, canola oil is pretty good for a vegetable oil like that, but it, I think it's, I, I, I think it might it's only be like coconut. It's a, canola yeah. oil is not a saturated fat. Yeah. Coconut oil behaves like a saturated fat outside the body, so it's yeah. excellent for pulling what we want, but it doesn't behave like one in the body. Yeah. The, the canola oil is definitely absorbing, uh, you know, and if you if you eat half teaspoon or whatever like that, you're going to get, you're not exactly going to get baked, but you're going to be, you know, it's good for medium dosing. It's good for uh, controlled dosing, you know, um, it, but it, so I'm wondering how much more you can uh, uh, infuse with it, you know, like, can you go back a second, a third time? Am I wasting it by throwing it away? <laughs> it seems to get, even the second time around, it seems to still absorb a lot. You know, when I, I'm basically filling the jar completely with the product and then, you know, putting as much, you know, putting the oil to the top too. So, and that, you know, so obviously some, it's not as much oil as could fit in a jar in a way. Is that like too much? Maybe it's, maybe you should only fill the jar halfway and fill the, the oil or not. No, no. It's better to do it twice. What I have found, any, any solvent, and so if you consider 
your oil as a solvent. Max yeah. you're going to deal uh, with any extraction is carrying 10% of whatever you're after within the liquid. An oil is not going to pick up as much as some other solvents like a butane or an ethanol, obviously. Yeah, so no. what I have found is I'll, I'll cover my cannabis. I'll do that first five days, strain it out. Then I do another three days with another full fill on it. And I have found that I get better utilization by doing those two washes, if you want to consider it a wash, or the yeah. two infusions. Yeah. Much better than doing okay. one infusion with twice the oil. Yeah. Well, of course, because you're not having as much matter if you don't have the organic matter in there because you used half as much. That, that right there, to me, would say it's going to be weaker. Yeah. Canola canola oil is good for people who are not trying to get, you know, get a buzz, who are people that, like, they're just strictly interested in the medicinal effect. But, I, but I've seen some of them, you know, keep on taking more because it tastes really good you know tommy's recipe it tastes fabulous it smells beautiful if you if you make it with fresh cannabis it's amazing and so people you know they're dropping it in their in their champ in their wine or whatever at some party i've seen it and they're like oh this is nice i'm not even getting high they think they know they think they're like because you tell them yeah no it's not that strong it's just canola oil oh <laughs> and then they get really baked because <laughs> they did a little bit too much because it can it can definitely hold a lot of THC and if you do the if you decarboxylate it properly you know via Tommy's way it, it's quite potent it's strong shit <laughs> even if it's even if it's canola oil is my point but I mean my, yeah, I my, only, I, point, my only point is as a solvent if you're considering your oil as a solvent yeah. Best, bar none, is coconut oil. Second is yeah. butter. I'm going to try it. And gonna... then after that, other oils work. However, yeah. if you like other oils, yeah. I would I would assert that you'd find a better utilization doing your extraction in a coconut oil and then cutting it with other oils. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, see, here's my coconut oil. There you go. That's a great idea. Make a blend. Well, I was just thinking of making both kinds because at least one person was saying, "Oh, I want it. I want to try it in coconut oil." Somebody who was already like hip to it, because a lot of the people that I've you know got uh, given it to had never even tried it. You know, a lot of willing new medicinal users out there. That's what's amazing. People, you know that social attitude is changing so fast oh gr granny gets down with her medibles i'll tell you yep and if not now she will she will next week i would also think that naturally coconut oil tastes better than canola oil in the first place oh the canola oil is very has no flavor at all it, it that's what i mean though the, but co and i know that coconut oil doesn't have much flavor but you're still coming from coconut you would think it'd have a um mm -hmm. An ability really, to taste better in the first place. Really to me, canola oil tastes cleaner. It just tastes smooth. And when you cook with it, it's really good. Like you put it in some banana bread or some recipe. The the co coconut oil is kind of 
strong. It has like a flavor to it. It's kind of like olive oil. Olive oil is good too. It's better than canola oil, I think. I've heard. But it also has a strong flavor to it. I've made some infused with olive oil, but so far we've only tried it as a topical, like on your skin and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, which Another thing about really oil is it behaves as the proper polar carrier. There's not just what you're infusing it into, but certain things you're after, you're after polar or non-polar. And butter and uh, saturated fat like coconut oil achieve that polarness that you're looking for. Yeah. Unlike yep. other oils. I know. And olive oil can take on, if you cook it too hot, which you wouldn't in this particular method, but olive oil can take on a nasty taste if it's cooked too hot or whatever. So, like, I use coconut oil. I mean, I use uh, olive oil to cook with for sautéing stuff at low heat. I use grapeseed oil if I want it a little hotter. And if I'm going to kind of semi-deep fry, which is about as much deep frying as I get, I use canola oil for that. that so another use, benefit of the coconut oil is you will find that you have the longest shelf life with it. Yeah, if that's take, the other side of it. That's that particular you were mentioning in olive oil. That's a good olive point. Oil that you have done infusions into, introduce plant matter into. Right. The ability to turn rancid is so quick. I mean, like damn skippy quick. So that's a great point. Temperatures and stuff, you're going to get the longest shelf life out of coconut oil. However, you're best off storing that in the fridge or in the freezer and just taking out pieces as you need it. And, and I, I think that was the most important thing to me that I took now that now that it came up is that the shelf life is yeah. like semi forever with coconut oil as opposed to yes. anything else, including butter, which won't have the same anywhere near the shelf life coconut oil will. So yeah. that's why even more than all the, the fact that it's already an excellent oil for the human body anyway. Um, and then you add the fact that when you do the infusion, what you're, your product is is safe for a lot longer period of time, and and again, it can be used topically and ingested. So you you can't get like the you best know, storage work. storage of product is going as as it becomes as prices go down and you know more people start using medicinal and growing their own and things like that. Storage of the product is going to become a much more important issue. And storage of concentrated products is too, because a lot of people obviously now are making things into concentrates, which is really cool. And but how to store those things? Because every you know, I I see every every a five pounder at the end of every cul-de-sac in America. You know, <laughs> by the end of a couple more years, so you know we're going to have plenty of product, you know, and we're going to have to figure out how to store it. So that's that's looking forward in the future. Cool techniques for storing <laughs> product and storing concentrates. Well, something else that I've been kind of thinking about when it comes to storage and just final products in general is that uh, when it comes to oils, uh, well, most of us are already hip to the uh, rosin press thing. So some of us are already able to press out concentrates, you know, just individually without having to uh, go through the five to eight day 
process with coconut oil. So something that you can also look into if you have a rosin press or have a way to extract your material just pure is the canola oil would also whip into a cream much more readily than what the coconut oil will because especially once that coconut oil cools back down it's going to solidify again so making a cream where you can also add other essential oils and stuff like that where basically all it takes is whipping up the oil is probably going to be a little bit better of an idea for some people as well because you can store that in a tube and instead of having to dip your heavily contaminated fingers or a knife or utensil or whatever into a jar of oil, which is going to increase the rate at which it uh, turns rancid, you can squeeze it out of a bottle or something like that onto your hand and just rub it in that way. Yeah, if you're gonna whip it, not to get too technical, uh, but if you're gonna whip it exactly what you're saying, you're putting the oxygen in there, you're really forcing it into the, the thing, and that will increase rancidity if you're going to go right, for but you can also you can also heat it up as well and just kill off any kind of mold spores and things like that that would be in it well, from the start. Bring it to a real light simmer or something like that for a short period of time and then whip it up that way. You would, you would be better off using something like a simple ceric acid in with it uh, as a preservative to prevent, uh, I, I mean, topical. Right, too. exactly. That's yeah. what I was saying. If you're talking about making a cream, you can add in other kinds of, you know, antifungal, antibacterial, even essential oils, or like <laughs> you're talking about stearic acid. If you've right. ever seen anybody that makes their own homemade uh, hand creams, if you look through the ingredients list, you're going to find your essential oils. You're going to find all that good stuff. And then you're also going to see that stearic acid in there, like Tommy's talking it's about. Ultimately safe. And, and if you're doing it to put it up, I haven't mentioned this on the show before. I'm so glad you're bringing it up. That little bit of stearic acid, I know everybody wants everything pure. But once again, if you went through all the trouble of growing it and curing it, and now you made your stuff, you might as well have it be good for you in four weeks. You know, since you spent four months getting there, a little I bit just, of stearic acid is is fine for you. It's brilliant for for your for your preservation. I just want to go on record as saying I don't know anyone who makes homemade hand creams. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about there, Brain. Uh, well, 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 I, I, I live in the south, that, so there's a lot of that stuff that goes on around here. People growing their own herbs and turning oh, that no. into hand creams and stuff like that. You oh, know. No. But, but you're Tommy, you were saying so you're talking basically you'd be more of a hand cream once you add like you said you didn't want to get too technical. So I'll just say whip it, you know, and what once after you have your oil, then you have another additive and you whip it, right? It's a, you're but, saying yeah. that as a, a, a shorter shelf life once you do that? Or yes, it's sir. if you were to just do that. So so if you just did that, you're you're forcing the oxygen into the oil right. yep, and yep. you put That's plant material in there so your ability to go rancid is great i mean like not a little bit you're talking crazy greatly increased and you can avoid that problem by a, a like a one percent or something ridiculously small but half a percent or one percent of ceric acid uh, as a preservative and it's going to uh greatly extend your shelf life it's not going to give you forever it's not as if you were to whip nitrogen into it or something like that or something inert. Uh, but 
for, you know, you're never going to make anything in too big a batch. I mean, golly, you're not making 55 gallon drums of this shit. But Where can you buy it? In small quantities. Yes, the Syrah, yeah, it's, uh, you can Probably on Amazon. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ubiquitous. <laughs> yeah, it's most likely. Ridiculously safe. It's unbelievably cheap. And you've spent so much time, treasure, and talent getting here. Put a little syric acid in it and, and really, you know, hedge your bet. Uh, make sure you're getting good, consistent medicine over the entire time you're dipping into the tube. And it still is topical and ingestible, even with the syric acid. Uh, I only do this. I, I don't know specific. I, yes, the syric acid is safe ingestible. But almost always when you're doing some topicals, you're adding a couple other things in there, like some shea butter, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, beeswax uh, to, you know, to, because it, it makes it a better skin cream and the women just go, ooh. Uh, and when you mix a couple of those things together, the syric acid is going to be a good preservative. If I'm eating it internally, uh, then I'm pretty much just keeping it in the fridge or the freezer and i'm taking out you know a pint of it at a time to have it you know ready to to work i, I just haven't covered topicals here and if you guys want me to at some point i'm i'm happy to do that it's not a really big uh demand i mean the people that love their topicals you can't pry it out of their cold well, dead fingers the coconut oil itself the infused think, coconut oil personally itself, i would appreciate topical. that that would be pretty cool tommy because yeah, i mean medicinally topically is the best way to turn people onto cannabis in oh, my opinion sure. yes. Yes. Probably, yeah. the, the coconut oil infusion method already does a great job topically i mean it's pretty damn good and when you add the lecithin it makes it even better but now you're causing it to have a a, a, a chance of, of, of going bad quicker. So you have to keep it refrigerated So or add syric acid. So basically you're saying if you keep it refrigerated, you wouldn't have to add the syric acid. But if you want to leave it laying around yeah. on the counter, you almost, should have it for shelf yeah, life. For shelf life, you want the oils. I'm making them for medicinal clients, almost yes. all of whom are already compromised. So I would rather make a short batch. It's only going to last a month. Keep it in the right. fridge. And, and I'm not asking that person's body to do anything extravagant. Yeah, so you're not when adding you're yeah. topicals. You're making very often topicals for people with arthritis, psoriasis, ongoing stuff. They want to buy their thing once a month or once every three months. And they want it to be able to hang out. And it's... You know, they want that very consistent feeling and stuff. So you do some things to the coconut oil extract. You add shea butters and stuff to, to give it that sensual stuff. But adding all that stuff, yes, hedging your bed at that point with the syric acid is where I use that. Right. Okay. And and then of course, as you're as we're just to clarify one more time, when you once you start adding those shea butters and all, it's no longer edible. Correct. Right. Yeah, so you want it edible and topical in one drop. You don't add the anything but the 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 the, the coconut oil, the lecithin, and maybe some syric acid if you want to leave it out. Yeah, and and you can use the just the straight coconut oil. You rub it on your skin; it's going to yeah. be a happy thing. You can use that internally, uh, you know, uh, in certain holes in your body and stuff. It'll works fine. Uh, 
but yeah, for, for, for a topical that you want to have in your purse or, you know, in the glove box kind of a thing, there's a couple other things you do to stabilize it and work on. Because, uh, you know, I mean, with the coconut oil, if it's a little bit warm, it's runny. If it's a little bit cold, you need a goddamn chisel to get it out of there. Right. It's right. not, it's not, it's not consumer friendly. When you get well, into I like the topical stuff, you need to address some of the consumer oh. concerns. Yeah, but I no, I like that because when it's cold on the colder side, it gets solidified. Actually, for topical, again, you, I, I, yeah, probably not a good idea to stick your fingers in. But if it's your own oil, you know, and you're going to be rubbing it on yourself, it's just like Vicks or something. You could literally take your fingers and dip in there and, and scrape off some and start rubbing it on yourself if it's cold. On the other hand, I used to give it to my wife. I would pour some into a teaspoon and then pour the teaspoon into her hand, palm of her hand and she could rub it on her foot. That was all messed up and it worked really good that way. So I kind of like the fact that if it's a little, if you want it to be runny, you can warm it up. I set it in by my propagation area, by the heat mat, or just underneath the um, underneath the T5s, you know, and that's all you need, just a gentle heat, so it's not, but if it gets cold, it does, it's like a white, it's like grease, it's like a, it's, it, it's actually, it looks like grease, it looks yeah. like grease, you know, uh, it's but like a it's, rock. Also, more, it's also like it. easier to measure it out into doses that way, too, you know. So there's, there, I, I like it. I like the fact that it solidifies and is easily liquefied. You know, I, I like that versatility. Well, like if you're going to cook with it, like David likes to take and, uh, and, and take and cook his eggs in it. So you it could be hard and you just take your knife and cut it like a piece of butter and throw it in the, in the frying pan. You know, on the other hand, like I said, if you want to rub it on your feet, it might be nice for it to be warm and runny, so you can just pour it in your hand or put it in a little bottle, just a little tiny squirt bottle that, you know, you can squirt a little bit on and rub it on. It really works great, though. You it's might, been a great you might like this, Roger. Uh, for yeah, some plus, clients. for any kind of uh, chemotherapy patients, uh, you don't want it cold because they have that sensitivity to temperature uh, that's due to the side effects of the chemotherapy. So huh. that's also good for them, what you you're talking like about, this, warming Roger. it up like that. Uh, is you take your coconut oil after you make it and you just get these cheap ass um, ice cube trays that are made out of silicone and you just pour your stuff in the ice cube trays and then you let it solidify. I do it right in the freezer. Uh, and so I, I let it get really, really hard. Then I take the ice cube tray out of the freezer and they're silicone ones. So they're very flexible. Right. And Oh, sorry. Uh, quiet, quiet, quiet. Oh, wow. So you take... Uh, sorry about that. So you take the ice cube trays out of the freezer, and then you just turn them upside down or just sideways, and you just spray it on the back of the ice cube tray with your hot water in your sprayer, and boop, 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 they're all pop out. And then you can give somebody a bag, a freezer bag, with a bunch of ice cubes of cannabis in there and so they can have that in their freezer and they kind of get used to how much they're using and they just take a cube or two out you know along the way because like some people I, I i get stuff too I, I don't get to see them very often so i have to kind of load them up on product and that's a way that they can have their good pr preservation of their just pure medicine 
take a couple out at a time, you know, and be using kind of like Roger's talking. Then you can take that cube and let it come to room temperature or put it in your hand and have a massage party, you know. Speaking yeah, I'm going to go and buy little half cup jars, you know. And For some it, people, that's a bit much. But yeah, I I've just found. I mean, I go to the ninety nine cent store. I get these little stupid things. For, what, yeah, I don't have a lot of freezer. That's a cool thing. I mean, because you could do it any way you want. I I just don't have room for that. I got a very small uh, refrigerator and freezer situation with a lot of food in it, and I don't have room for ice cube trays. But I I I I do. I was just gonna well see. I decided I'm gonna make mine in such like because I'm gonna use different strains, right? And I'm just going to use very small jars, like a, a half a cup to a cup at the most of, of matter. And that's what I'm going to do several different types at one time instead of one big, like, quart jar or something. Because, well, really, I don't have all that extra flour to be using on this oil. So what I'm doing is I've decided to tailor make it to my trim and, and all the little shake that fell off when I was putting the buds in the jars and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I'm going to have three or four different kinds. So I've already figured out it's not going to be much in each jar. So I'm going to go with little tiny jars like that. And then I'll have a, I'll have a jar of strawberry kush, coconut oil, pineapple haze coconut oil, blue dream coconut oil, blueberry coconut oil, you know, and on and on as I go down the line. And, and that way it doesn't take, because I'm like, uh, like Mr. Greengee says, uh, yeah, we still smoke flour, you know, um, uh, but it's also where I live too. See, if I lived somewhere, if I lived in California, I'd have a lot more stash. I'd have a lot more meds to play with. But I live in an area where I have give to have away. a very limited a grow in order to not be on the radar, or they don't give a shit really because it's just pop. And that's where the ever changing. Yeah, nobody's going to really bug you for growing four to six plants, but if you start growing 50 or 60 plants over there, they're going to start worrying about that. But so the thing is, is I only have enough to make it from grow to grow as it is with meds in the flower style. So I, I'm not pressing at all because that just takes too much flower away. Now, I realize you could then make oil out of it, but again, still, I'm not willing to risk my meds at this point. To I make, feel like rosin oil. increases the efficiency of the medicine that you're growing because yeah. like the rosin has exactly. way more of an effect on you than that same amount of cannabis you use yes. to press I that rosin. That. How I, is that? I, How I understand that, that, that when I run out of pot, <laughs> when I run out of freaking pot and I don't have a harvest yet, I'm not going to like Smoke it. them rosin chips, bro. How good the resin Smoke is. Smoke them rosin chips. The, you know? the reason the rosin, <laughs> the reason the rosin chemically that, that's so exciting for you there, and, what, and you're speaking so highly of it, is at the low temperatures, like Mr. Green was talking, the low and slow press. You're having the natural uh, fats and lipids in the plant, and you have the terpenes all good and fresh there. And just by that oozing, you're kind of capturing those terpenes in that goo. And, and that's what those waxes and lipids are really helping you do, where if you were to do an extraction, separate all these things, you lose all that stuff. So rosin is a brilliant product. I mean, if you're going to smoke something, I mean, I, I always advocate for eating it. That's my thing. And yeah, you know, it has almost as good medicinal. You cannot do better, I don't think, than rosin. 
or it's, some of Frenchie's hash is pretty damn yeah, it's not, That's not the point. The point I'm making is that I still want to smoke a joint before my next harvest. And yeah, if I, I like use it all pressed like resin and make a coconut oil, I won't have any pot left to smoke. And, and I'm think, not at the point where I don't want to smoke pot. See, I so. think bubble hash. I have never tried French. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I haven't gotten to that point. Like, I'm, I'm been using the rosin press, and I've had a steady supply of uh, the concentrate since I've gotten it. You know, and I'll take maybe a dab every day. I don't even dab every day, to be oh, yeah. honest. You know, so much better than the BHO. Oh, I still, God. I still prefer that full-bodied smoke. You know. I still like oh, yeah. the smoke. Yeah. So a very small amount of what I have grown in this past uh, harvest has even gone to rosin at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's all I could do. So I'm at. I'm not at the point where I'm, I'm comfortable taking and, and well, especially at this point to invest in a, a nice rosin press for one thing because I got so much other, uh, so many other bills and other things that have to really, in my opinion, should come before a rosin press. That for one thing for me uh and and you know and i, I understand that you me you too. get I'm a lot more i don't know why the hell i bought that thing it was crazy as a matter of fact i didn't buy it my my aunt bought it <laughs> the the aunt-in-law she and she's a nurse she's going to retire next year she's filipino no she's cool. really if you got she's invested in herself is what she did yeah she's going to need that medicine in about a year so in medicine yeah she grew a plant last year and she got seduced by the plant mary jane herself like what happened was i <laughs> check it out man i was uh playing with her husband in uh garage band we were rehearsing in there and i was cleaning some some weed you know and i probably threw some seeds out in the front and they germinated in the front and her husband the bass player rusty he digs them up and he takes them around to the backyard and he gives them to her, and she goes, "Oh, check it out! I think I'll plant these." <laughs> and they kept them in the ground, and and it was amazing because they all grew up. They turned out to be all females. Which, if they're you know seeds that I threw out there, which I know they were exactly as soon as I smelled the plant that she grew, I could even tell her what what the uh, you know, which mother which which plant it came from. But uh, I mean, it was it was pretty funny. <laughs> got seduced by mary jane people that as soon as you get somebody to grow a plant man they're immediately a fan you know they can't can't get away from that i mean yeah but but these days even even the consumers you know even the older people the thing the the the, the big expanding new market is the is the medicinal thing I'm I'm worried about people that think that there's a huge uh, uh, recreational market out there. I think that <laughs> I think that there is not a big recreational market out there. I think it's only th chance for that is is getting some people to use to smoke more than they already do, or at least in the United States. Well, there's a lot of people that won't grow. That won't grow. Yeah, there's a lot of people that will never grow, so there'll be that conversion. No, but I'm just saying that it's so easy to, to grow a lot, and Doesn't even matter. a small. It's easy to easy to grow so much to supply everybody. You know what I mean? It's it's like that. There's no no reason why prices would have to stay high. 
the, but the people that don't grow are going to still have to go buy pot because it's easy to grow tomato too, but they don't grow tomatoes either. Yeah, following so the pattern of society, everybody's going to go hit that grocery store. Yeah, they're going to. They're not going to grow pot either. They're going to buy pot. So there'll still if be half the people. available clone. If they go down to the grocery store and there's a clone there. And it's already, you know, day length match to the zone that they live in. And it's some kind of super fancy blue dream yummy stuff. Slam it in the ground right now. It's legal. They're going to be like, wow, check that out. And and <laughs> each one of them is going to have a five pounder at the end of the summer. Well, no, half of them will kill them just like they would at the tomato plant if they bought the tomato I plant. I think it's easier for the tomatoes. It, it's more drought tolerant. <laughs> Some people just aren't willing to put in this effort at all. I kind of see the point that Roger's making because, I mean, the the point of that is when it comes to anything that takes any kind of effort, people just aren't willing to do it. Thank you. That's my point, probably more than just anything. Not willing to do it. And then some of them, if they try, they just can't get it, their head around it, and they're going to kill it. And then but, so they won't do it either. And I bet but you it'll be more, get, it'll be 50-50. 50% really low. Out, out here, we've seen amazing dips in prices, like up north, yeah, where yeah. they do the light depot, and they keep coming in with another crop every couple of months. <laughs> and that's like, there's already too much. Okay, dudes. You know, it's, it's whoo. Um, just because there's too much doesn't mean there's no market for it. You no, there is it just means that too many people think there's too many people going to buy their pot, but there's too many other people growing pot. Yeah, yeah, I know. In Oregon, the market was flooded because I was following. Um, I can't remember what other podcast this guy's on, but uh, his name is uh, Brown Guy Four Twenty, and one of my buddies actually turned me on to him because he uses the organic no-till farming as well. But he had a uh, YouTube serial uh, series called the daily grind and just recently he uploaded a video talking about uh their all the efforts they put in throughout the whole year to build up these badass light deprivation greenhouses and uh yeah just the whole farm it's, it's epic all of that just basically went to nothing went to waste you know they're having to sell everything because the investors want their return you know, right away. Anyway, he was saying that they're having to to sell pounds for like ridiculously, ridiculously low amount. And he was going for the quality side of things, not so much quantity. He was wanting to push that organic no-till flour out there in the dispensaries. And it turns out that nobody was caring about quality. They were just like, bring it in. Whatever it is, you're not getting very much for it, though. Just a, a little note on that. I, I was down in California growing and I started to learn how to grow some stuff. And then I started learning about, oh, I have this cannabis, but there's this thing called curing. So I kept some in reserve and I cured it for like four months or five months or whatever. And I brought it to my jobber and she brought it around and it sold out instantly, but none of it made it onto the shelves of the dispensaries. It was just the people in the dispensaries that kept it. And she came back to me and she says, just cut it, dry it, and that's what they want because that's what everybody in the store knows. So I had made some badass, I mean, like it was not blowing smoke at my own 
you know, skirts, but it was some really good cured cannabis and there wasn't a market for it. Same. And you have to keep the moisture up and, and none of the crop that makes it to a dispensary has ever been through that kind of care. You know, yeah. that's, that's already <clears throat> into the connoisseur level of of caring for your cannabis. There's you, you can't buy that at the dispensary. Hell no. They, they wouldn't buy it. They just want, they, everybody was so used to, you know, hey, this plant was living 10 days ago. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's supposed to be, uh, I know. Yeah. So that's like, interesting because that's not green. Same dilemma we have in produce. We don't get paid a dime more for hydroponic or aquaponic or anything if you're not organically certified. Which we've argued all about that. We all know about no, how we feel about aquaponics should be their own. No, I'll have, to, I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll have to say, man. Uh, I have had seen. I've been seeing some aquaponic vegetables in my local grocery store, and they sell for like double of what the regular stuff is going for. Well, that's yeah, pretty cool. Aquaponic, we've heard of that. Aquaponics, you can actually get uh, equal to or better than organic pricing because it's basically, you know, it's better basically. So, yeah, when you were talking about that stuff up in Oregon too, we've talked to people up in Washington, Colorado, where the same kind of stuff has happened. And from what I can see, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just, you know, the guy in the lab here, but I don't think you're going to make it, honestly, in cannabis. If you're not growing aquaponically, I, I don't, I mean, if you're indoors, no way in hell. Your, your overhead's just too high. And then when these prices indoors drop to 200 a pound, the only way you can make money at 200 a pound is if you're growing aquaponically. Am I wrong? Indoors gentlemen? is just a result of prohibition anyway, really. Totally. The only people growing indoors in the future will be breeders. The only reason to grow indoors is to be able to push genetics through. I've done five or six generations a year. Ah, not to flex my muscles or anything. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the only good reason in the future, for sure. I mean, I'm going to be the only guy with lights. <laughs> It'll be like, you fucking fossil. No, for sure. Everybody's going to move into into outdoors, you know. Yeah, but you're Solar not panels, man. Solar it up and make it sustainable, at least if you're going to grow indoors. That's something that you know, you can't argue with that. I don't care who you are. Yeah, that would be nice. I'd like to have a green house. I'd like to have a. Well, I'd like to have a. Well, it's been it's been great lately to be able to you know partner with other people and to start to reach the fingers out into the community and get involved in other breeding projects. But I'd like to have more space myself. I'm still in this little apartment in San Clemente, tiny little place. <laughs> Pretty funny. Downtown Los Santo. No, <laughs> What's that? In downtown Los Santo. Where's that? That's Where's... a uh, a Grand Theft Auto reference. Just making a oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I never played Grand Theft Auto. Here, here. I'm not a too big gamer. I played uh, back in the day. I played Wizardry. Uh, in the very beginning of some of the uh, first-person shooters, I think I played like Duke Nukem. Um, what was it? Uh, Castle Wolfenstein. Mm -hmm. Some of these are like the original FPSs, aren't they? I yep. did Pong. Pong, right. Fuck yeah. 
Alrighty, well, you know what was fun was Descent was the first three three dimensional, the first three D one. It was after the FPSs one uh, ones, and it was like, and it, at some people at first they like got uh, seasick with it. It was so funny. <laughs> people were like, oh, I can't handle that because <laughs> well, it was three dimensional. It was like uh, flying back, flying almost, these things. Almost yeah. nine thirty here on the West Coast, and I think it's twelve thirty almost on the East Coast. So, figure we'll wrap things up. Um, why, don't, uh, why don't you tell people how to find you there, Brain Grow? Uh, yeah, like I was talking about earlier, make sure you check out my Instagram. It's Brain, B-R-A-Y-N-E underscore Grow, G-R-O. And uh, I'll be posting some cool stuff over there pretty soon. I forgot to mention that with the material I used from my hash. I actually, uh, I'm trying to make some wine out of it. So I thought that would be a pretty cool project to start. And uh, like I said, my mushrooms and all that stuff. And then uh, I'm over on IloveGrowingMarijuana.com as well with Roger and all those guys basically posting over the, over there uh, most often. And I'm probably going to have another YouTube video coming up pretty soon on the hash that I've just been making this week. So be looking out for that as well. Cool. How about you, Mr. Green Jeans? Oh, yeah. GreenCheeseGarden.com. Uh, yeah, that's me. You can find me there. Uh, uh, somebody said it wasn't on the last. Uh, it wasn't on the list of. You didn't didn't have my uh, URL there or something like that. Right, you got to pay your fixed. dues. You got to pay your dues. You got to well, pay my dues. We got we got a we'll get it fixed. I got a there's a couple people I think I need to add that are. <laughs> The group is not um, the same. Like, aquaponic dummy hasn't been on. And I'm in San Clemente. Any U.S. East West Coast guys, man. Anytime you're around, man, come over. <laughs> and um, what was it? A uh, Silver Arm Thirty Two came down and hung out with me and uh, oh, yeah. Old Fart Grows there for uh, for a little bit. I think we might see him again this weekend. He's cool. uh, not super close to us, but he's not super far either. So spent a little time hanging out. He got a chance to try some of our. Uh, our sublingual powder and some of our other cool goodies. So have some dabs. So it was not really cool yeah, to yeah. hang out with him, meet him, talk to him. Uh, you know, he's been doing this longer than all of us combined. So maybe not all of us combined, but at least all of us. He had the first aquaponic cannabis channel that was around. So it was cool to cool to see him. And what about cool. you, Roger? How do people find you? I'm still over there running and with all my team and great guys. At I love growing marijuana.com and, uh, that's about it. That's all I've been doing. I'm trying to, it's that time of year where, uh, we're just now getting to where people are starting to come back out on the forum because all the outdoor growers are getting ready, but I'm also doing, I'm in my time of the year where it's, I've got this, all this new growth happening that I got to get ahead of on the, around the farm. And I've got to get my greenhouse up and running. Um, this is usually about the time I start cleaning it all out and getting it all ready for the season and uh, time to plant some seeds for food for the greenhouse. So I thought that's what, yeah, but as far as finding me, you, the only place you can really find me is I love growing marijuana.com at this point. And uh, I will get you that link you asked me about since that um, Mr. Green jeans brought that up. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking before, but yeah, I've got a link to give you Steve for that too. Cool. Awesome. And uh, 
Alrighty. Um, what about you, Tommy? Where people find you? Oh, uh, you can find me at uh, Old Fort Grows, but I've not been uploading videos there. I'm I'm threatening to uh, share some stuff on there. I've been doing some lab work, and I'm going to work with uh, Steve on getting some very detailed, uh, well-filmed uh, covering of making this oil that everybody seems to love uh, and getting some information out there. And I've been working on some chemistry kinds of projects, uh, learning my new art, if you will. Uh, I hope to be able to share that. I have to kind of figure out how that's going to work because uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you can find me at, at, at Old Park Rose uh, or if you just you know, need to ask a question or whatever on, you know, getting some stuff mixed up. Uh, how to get some medicine for people. I'm always available for that. I'm oldfartgrows at gmail.com. You know, I don't always check the YouTube stuff, but my email always pings. So if yeah, you need a little help getting something done, uh, you can always ping me at oldfartgrows at gmail.com. Or or here. I'm, I'm, I'm around here more often than anything else. Yippers. Alrighty, um, you guys know how to find me. Shout out again to um, Rob Bob for coming on the show, especially taking time from Australia. And um, uh, yeah, thanks for everyone. I'm going to go uh, eat dinner now. <laughs> Have a good one. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Take care. Peace out, everybody. Hey, thanks everybody out there for uh, watching us.